0: Welcome to episode 86 of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on June 19th, 2018. My name is Brad Galloway, and I am the editor of GameCritics.com. I am also 50% of this here show. With me, as always, Corey Motley, staff writer at Game Critics. How you doing, Corey? Hello, Brad. I'm good, and I would also like to be the first to
1: apologize, because on our last show, we lied to everybody and said we were going to have a show out like the next day. Oh, yes, oh, yes, yes. (laughs) And we did not, because Brad has been busy as hell, and I had to go out of town for a business trip. So sorry, everybody, that we did not get our E3 show out quicker. But it is here, nonetheless, better late than never for everybody.
0: Yeah, it was, I mean, I think we've been actually doing a heroic effort in trying to get shows out, but it was just that really, really uh, poor set of circumstances where I was like crazy busy, you were crazy busy, and like no matter which way we tried to turn the calendar, like it just wasn't fitting. So sorry about that, folks. Uh, Did not mean to tell you a falsehood by any uh, any stretch of imagination, so sorry about that. But we will hopefully uh, be getting back on schedule pretty soon. Uh, My gig, which has been keeping me really busy, is just about to end. And, Corey, you're back to the normal grind, correct? That is correct. All right. Cool, cool, cool. So, sorry um, for not delivering as promised, but we will make it up to you uh, with this wonderful uh, star-studded extravaganza E3 Spectacular. (laughs) Uh, Or... It'll just be us bullshitting about game trailers. It might be that as well. We don't know. We'll see. But hopefully this will be worth your time and a welcome return to So Video Games. So before we get into that, just a quick reminder that if you are the kind of person who enjoys our uh, non-games chit-chat, you can catch the banter after the ending music plays. It's uh, after the end song as always. But for now, uh, today is a special show. It is our E3 show. Uh, Regular Agenda is on hold uh, I know we're coming a little bit late to this party. Uh, I'm sure that most other podcasts have probably already gone over all the stuff already, and now it's old hat, but that's not going to stop us now. It's never stopped us before, and as Corey just said, better late than never. Uh, instead of covering every single thing, which would probably take like as long as E3 actually takes in real life, we're going <laughs> to just do what we did last time, which is basically a minimal amount of effort. We're going to just watch a couple trailers, and we're just going to just shoot the shit about them like we actually know anything uh we've got a list of games to talk about we are not going to talk on every single game trailer that was shown because that would be crazy talk uh but we will go down a list that we've prepared and if either one of us have something to say we will just shout it out and go from here and if you listeners have something to say about those you go ahead and shout it out as well like we're not going to hear you we're not going to know you're saying it but if it'll (laughs) it'll help you feel like you're participating with the show go for it i mean whatever whatever makes you feel connected with us here so it's all about inclusion at so video games so Corey, do you have any, any, I guess before we get into the list of stuff, any thoughts about E3, any general takeaways, were you looking forward to something that showed up or didn't show up or is it business as usual? Did you have any, any feeling or thought at all about E3 before it actually occurred?
1: Well, I, E3 was weird for me this year because it happened like right around the time when I was about to go on a business trip, which I've only, I'm sure everybody listening to the show is like, all right, shut the fuck up about the business trip. Like we know you've been talking about it on every show. But I was, like, trying to pack and get ready and, like, get all my stuff in order. So it was really hard for me to actually pay attention to what was going on at E3. So I wasn't really, like, super, like, jazzed about it. And there's definitely stuff that happened that pleased me and stuff that didn't happen that I'm not pleased about. But, uh, but just for, like, a full-on, like, my biggest, probably most exciting thing from E3 probably this year would be that they like officially showed the resident evil 2 remake stuff because they've been saying they announced that it was in development. Like I think it was in like 2015 or something that they said like, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to get the team on it. And then the, you know, they've kind of been sending very meager updates about what's been going on with it. Uh, and then they finally, finally showed it off during Sony's, uh, presser this year. And that, uh, it's probably, I mean, I don't know if we should get the show started by being like, this is what I like the most, but that's probably the thing that I enjoyed the most about about E3. I don't know if there's any, like, like macro scale, like, genre stuff that, um, that really, like, took me by surprise or anything, because, I mean, like, no new consoles were announced, like, nothing like that. It was basically just, like, games, games, games. I mean, the biggest, like, news piece was probably the fact that Microsoft... Bought a bunch of studios because they're so starved for exclusives that they literally have to buy studios in order for them to make uh, console exclusives for them. But we can talk about that later. Um, Those are just some of my impressions. Uh, Brad, what are some of yours?
0: Well, kind of like you, this actually fell in a really strange time for me because this is probably the busiest I was going to be all year. And I know I mentioned it earlier, earlier, uh, a couple shows ago, but like I usually, you know, I usually keep pretty close tabs on E3, uh, as well as, you know, game news around the year round. But I just was so busy. I just, I almost didn't even realize E3 was even coming until a couple days beforehand. And I'm like, oh shit, it's like right now. And I don't know <laughs> anything, um, at all. I didn't, I didn't have any expectations. I didn't have anything I was looking for. I just felt really just out of the loop. And it was strange because, Without being in the loop, it felt like I was falling even further behind. Like it's one of those things where you gotta like keep up all the time, you know? Where if you're not on top of the latest and greatest, you you, like take a week or two off. Like by the time you come back, like everything is different. Like there's new people to talk about, new games to talk about, new things happen that you didn't know about. I mean, there's like a thousand memes you have no idea what the fuck they mean because you weren't paying attention. You know, I'm still trying to catch up on that fucking steamed hams thing, and like, you know, there's that's like ten thousand memes ago, dude. Like so. It's hopeless. Uh, so I felt a little bit out of my depth. This is probably the first time that I've ever felt so so completely disconnected from E3. But I, I, I caught an, an evening where I made a big pot of coffee and I stayed up super, super late, even though I was really tired. But I'm like, there's just no way I'm going to have time to get up on any of this unless I make time, like forcibly make time. And so I got through it and it was fine. But hopefully next year it will be a little more... Uh, a little more of a natural fit. Hopefully I'll be a little bit uh, less busy and I'll have more time to pay attention to it. So this was a weird one. This was a really weird one. Um, as far as news and stuff goes, I haven't really connected with very many news stories. I know that some people were talking about the next generation of consoles. I don't want to talk about that. I feel like there's still plenty, plenty of life left in current consoles. Um, the only other thing to really note was kind of the Fortnite fiasco going around. Are you up on that? Not up on that news story? Oh Corey? God. Yeah. How playstation's like barring access from switch users about it yeah it's really fucking stupid and <laughs> so so for people who don't know i imagine probably everybody knows but in case you don't know uh th- so they announced Fortnite on switch uh which you know i've have you played Fortnite? did we ever we never played together did we no you played it and talked about it on the show
1: like right when it launched or when it was in like early access or something and that's the thing that cracks me up is that you played it when it was back before it had like the battle royale mode. And I remember you being like, yeah, it's fine. And then like now it's like the hottest game in the universe that every fucking person and their mother is playing. It's just weird how stuff like that happens.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it is it is really funny because that was the original. I think it's called Fortnite Save the World. I think that was how it launched. And that was where you... Had a tower defense kind of a thing, and you were building bases and shooting waves of goons that would come at you. That was, be- yeah, that was before the battle royale was even a thing. That what didn't even exist in the game. And then I was like, oh yeah, it's okay, whatever, it's fine. I mean, I, I kind of like some of the character design, but it wasn't, you know, I didn't come back to it or anything. And then they put in the battle royale, and that was when it really took off. Um, so that was really their saving grace. But. So what happens is basically, um, not to get too deep into it, but if you if you ever played Fortnite and connected it to your PS4 account, which is where most people were playing it because it was free, I think it was free there first, if I remember correctly. Anyway, bottom line being, if you ever played Fortnite on a PS4 and connected your Epic account to it, Sony like somehow locked it in so that if you like if you play on PC, you can take it on Xbox, you can also take it on Switch. So if you spend money on some of the, the DLC stuff or whatever, you can take that stuff with you and play it on all those other consoles, but not if you did it on PS4. So if you spent any money on PS4, if you play it on PS4, you cannot take that character or those things to other platforms. And a lot of people are crying foul on that because it's not a proprietary Sony thing. It's, a, it's an Epic thing. It's a separate thing. And you do have cross-platform play or you know you can take your account to other, other platforms. So I think this is something that we're going to, we've seen a million times in the past and we're seeing it again, where one console will be in the lead. They'll get a really good lead. They'll have all the the goodwill. The fans will be on board and then they will get so fucking arrogant. They will do something completely fucking stupid, (laughs) blow their lead, piss everybody off. And then the, the metronome will swing the other way. We've seen this happen literally since the invention of consoles. I mean, it happens all the fucking time. We saw it with, uh, you know, the 360. The 360 was super far in the lead. They were dominating that generation. And then Microsoft got fucking way ahead of themselves. They launched the Xbox One with a bunch of like anti-consumer stuff and a bunch of wacky ideas. And people were like, fuck that noise. And they swung back to Sony. And then before that, you know, Sony was in the lead after the PS2. And they're like, oh yeah, we're gonna... Make this jackass PS3 with this weird architecture, and everybody's going to be happy to get a second job to afford the console because you guys love PlayStation. And that fucking, you know, blew up in their face, and that's when everybody switched back to Microsoft. It's like, dude, like, will you guys knock it the fuck off? Like, will you just. (laughs) You're in the lead. Like, PS4 is dominating by a large margin right now. So stop being arrogant. Stop being anti consumer. Don't do shit like this because this is exactly the kind of thing that turns people against them. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if in the next generation. People are like, yeah, well, they fucked me on Fortnite, so fuck that, I'm going Microsoft, and whatever the next Microsoft console is is going to be in the lead. It seems like this perennial back and forth. Am I wrong? I mean, you're not wrong, but I think
1: the other important thing to note here is that for the past couple generations, Nintendo has taken a huge backseat because, like, I mean, the Wii sold really well, but I feel like it didn't have a lot of staying power, and the Wii U was basically dead on arrival, but the Switch is, like closing the gap quickly um, as far as popularity, as far as, you know, indie presence and games coming over from PlayStation 4 and Xbox One to Switch. So, I mean, if Sony doesn't watch out, um, the Switch is going to be gaining a lot of ground on it. And I mean, soon Microsoft is just going to have to shut down the Xbox division entirely. And it's just going to be the PlayStation 4 and Switch going head to head.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what I would have said. I totally would have said that up until this Fortnite thing, but people love their Fortnite and people are pissed off about this. And this is exactly the sort of thing. I could totally see this, like where Microsoft or Sony feels like they can do no wrong. So they start overstepping and then up, up, pendulum swung back. So I don't know, but I do think that you make a very good comment about the Switch though. The Switch is motherfucking fire right now. Like it is a great system, great system. I love the Switch. It's great. I, I was not on board with Nintendo for the last couple generations. I mean, I have all the consoles, played the games, Um, but I just, whatever, I, you know, it just did not click with me, but I love the new console. It's really grown on me over time. And I think that their selection of games is outstanding. I mean, I think that since the launch of the switch at game critics, anyway, there have been three perfect 10 games on that um, system so far, which is unheard of. I mean, that's ridiculous that so many great games have come out and there's a little bit of something for everybody. And it just goes to show that you don't need raw power, which is something that, that, we at game critics have been saying forever, where it's not about how many polygons. It's not about seeing individual pores and sweat on people. It's not about, you know, chasing photorealism. It's about, is your game fun? Is it good? Do you have breadth of content? Do you have something for everyone? Do you have, you know, like things that make people happy? Do you, you know, do you have these things that gamers want? Like, it's not about graphics, it's not about power. And this is a perfect example where Nintendo finally got their act together, finally got their their head straight, and they're finally putting out a console that has games, and that comes in a format that people want. It is, you know, the weakest of the available consoles, but it does not matter because people are loving it, And myself included. So I think that you are right that the Switch is rapidly gaining ground. I don't think that they see themselves as necessarily a direct opponent to those two, but boy, they are carving out a big chunk of the market right now. So good on them, I guess, for uh, for turning things around after the Wii, Wii, uh, Wii U, which was, you know, like you said, clusterfuck. But <laughs> uh, okay, so anyway... Um Sony bad for the Fortnite thing. Other than that, I didn't really pick up on any big news stories. Uh You want to just go ahead and jump into talking about the trailers? Sure. Okay, so I, I kind of skimmed the different conferences, and I was asking people what they thought was good, and I kind of made a little list here of stuff to talk about. We're just going to read through them one by one, and then we'll just talk about this, and I think that uh, that's going to be a show for us today. That'll be our E3 coverage. So... <laughs> Let's just get started. Uh, These are in no particular order. Um, Let's start with Anthem, which is probably one of the biggest games uh, that was shown this year. Uh, This is the one coming from Bioware, but it's also, what is it, Electronic Arts, right? That's right, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, This is, I mean, I guess, I'm not exactly sure how to describe it. It's not what people expected from Bioware. I mean, I think, you know, they're known for having the choice-heavy RPGs. This seems more like a third-person squad based, you know, games as service, sort of a destiny kind of a thing where you apparently get to build and customize your own mech suit. And then you can take it out and play with your friends in some kind of a hostile environment. Like you can fly around. It looks like Iron Man, the game basically, where you just like fly around, you have lasers and missiles and you shoot whatever is out there and you upgrade and build stuff. Um, so that's kind of what they showed. Corey, um, I have thoughts, but what is, what are, what are your thoughts on Anthem?
1: Um, I think it looks really good. I had been reading sort of just through my Twitter feed about uh, a lot of people comparing it to, <clears throat> to Destiny whenever it was first revealed, like, I don't know, however many months ago, but I had read that, or I had been seeing, I guess, people saying that whenever they had played it at E3, that it didn't really feel like Destiny at all, which makes me happy because like, I don't mind Destiny, but Like, it's kind of a game's a service game, and it's also a game that, like, once I've played, like, the campaign or whatever you want to call the campaign, I'm kind of, like, over and done with it. I don't really care about playing it beyond that. So the fact that people are are reporting from E3 that it doesn't play similarly to Destiny makes me happy because Anthem is more about, like, uh, being airborne and, like, flying, and I'm really hoping that it'll be similar to kind of maybe, like, Zone of the Enders in that respect where you're kind of, like, always in the air maybe it's quicker um you know you have a lot of options on how you want to attack um I think it looks really good I don't know if it's going to be like a day one purchase for me or anything but I mean hopefully like because I mean I don't think it's um any surprise that or like top secret news that Mass Effect Andromeda they had like Bioware's like least good or least experienced team working on that So surely if like all of the good teams that worked on the first three mass effects are kind of like back together and putting, you know, all their work into Anthem that they can't produce a bad game here.
0: Yes, agreed. Um, So I guess I don't quite know what to think. I think that just visually, I think it looks pretty awesome. Like I'm like, I'm into mech suits. I'm into flying. I'm into like playing games with your friends cooperatively in something like this. Um, I, I like I'm down with all that, but I am puzzled as to why it's Bioware, because this seems like so far outside of their wheelhouse. I mean, not to say that they can't make other kinds of games. I mean, certainly developers don't have to make one kind of game and that's it. But I mean, I, this is this seems pretty far away from anything that they've done before. And that might be OK on its own. But with the inclusion well, I mean, well, well, number one, with the giant colossal failure of Mass Effect Andromeda, which was garbage, and then with the inclusion of EA, who I just, ugh, you know, like, I, I shudder to think how they're going to try to monetize this thing. Uh, so I, I have a little bit of pause, um, a little bit of pause. I'm not ready to sign on yet, but it does look pretty cool. The mech suits look cool. I love any game where you can fly around a bunch, you can go underwater, and I think just, you know, the idea, I, I could easily imagine like you, me and Gina and like whoever, like getting together for an evening and just like flying some missions, kind of like we did with The Division or whatever. I mean, that was a really good time. And I could, I could see that being replicated here uh, just with more of a sci-fi angle. So I know that some people are kind of down on it. And I'm not saying that they're wrong to have doubts or to be suspicious. I mean, I think I have some suspic- suspicions, suspicions, if, <laughs> if I could say that also. But it looks, I mean, just like on the surface of it, it does look pretty dope. I think it looks pretty good. And the idea of, I think what for me is going to really come down to is how much can I customize my mech suit? Like how many mech suits are there? How many can you have? Like how, how cool can you trick them out? Like, I don't want to just be chasing drops for like better. Oh, it's the exact same gun I had, but it has plus one attack. Yay. That was worth the six hours I spent grinding this, this enemy point. Like I want it to be substantial and cool i want to look cool like looking cool is really important like in a game like this i want to look look like a badass <laughs> and uh hopefully that will will play out so would you be interested in doing some co-op on this uh
1: yeah for sure i mean if we can all find the time to do it <laughs> then yes i am definitely game
0: that is really the fucking trick all right <laughs> let's move on um sea of solitude did you get a chance to watch a trailer for this one I know I watched the
1: trailer and I cannot remember what happened in it.
0: Sea of Solitude, I I, I forgot to jot some notes down because this is so video games. We don't have any notes of any kind. We like to just, you know, go freestyle and uh, spit beats at random here. But uh, this was one where it kind of seemed like a real kind of indie, emotional, strange thing where this girl who is somehow like, covered in fur or something. I couldn't quite tell what they were going for with this, but she didn't look like a normal girl. She was kind of like, not furry exactly, but some kind of weird thing was going on with her skin that she looked like unusual, some kind of weird visual effect. And she was in like a city that was flooded and she was like in a boat. And I mean, it just seems like kind of one of those weird indie exploration games. And it looked like, I mean, I may be wrong, but it seemed like all of the monsters that she encountered looked like her, but like with different body shapes. And there was like a picture of her in a boat and underneath it was like this giant, like shark, like sea monster that kind of looked like her. And so, I mean, I guess it's going to be, you know, her against her inner thoughts or feelings or something like that. And I mean, with the title Sea of Solitude, I mean, that kind of makes it seem like it's going to be an introspective sort of thing. So I'm looking forward to this one the visual style is interesting and the concept of like being in like a flooded city has been done a few times before but never really done well so i think there's still space for something like that to be to be around any thoughts on that one um it sounds like something i could get into because
1: it sounds like an indie i mean whenever you're describing it it kind of sounds like it's very much in the same vein of a game like rhyme or something like that Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the problem with these games is that I either really like them or I don't. And the only way I can figure that out is by playing them. So like, I'm not opposed to playing this. I just hope that I enjoy it when I do.
0: Yeah, it's got the good look to it. But like you said, it really comes down to implementation. And I mean, also, like, it's really got to have a story. Like, I don't like those indie games where they look cool. But when you get into them, it seems like all they had was a look. Like, you know, the story doesn't satisfy like maybe there actually isn't even an ending to it or maybe it's one of those games where it's just really weird to be weird for the sake of being weird and then you just don't feel satisfied so hopefully it's not one of those because I've had more than enough of those I want I mean I'm fine with having enigmas or puzzling things happen or strangeness but like I wanted to wrap up like I mean there's an art to writing a story and I feel like people really need to up their game on that like it's not enough just to be weird you need to have weirdness but with a purpose so we will see <laughs> weirdness we with a purpose. That is it. That that should be Actually, that should be the motto of our show. Weirdness with a purpose. That's a pretty good motto. Um a couple of games, a couple of games did that new E3 thing of hey, we're going to announce this thing right now and BT Dubs it's actually out right now. So there were two games that did that. I forgot to put one on the notes here. The first one was Unravel 2. Did you ever play the first Unravel? I did not. This was uh it was famous. I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but They had the developer, one of the developers of Unravel, which is an emotional story about a little guy made out of yarn who can only run as far as he has yarn for because it unravels his body. And he's trying to like, uh, I don't know, put together the memories of his family or something like that. I played it and it was pretty good. It wasn't great, but it was pretty good. But the developer of Unravel came up and he was like so shy and awkward and he clearly loved his game but he was also clearly not a public speaker and that was like one of the take like one of the big takeaways from e3 a couple years ago was like that guy speaking it was just so earnest and heartfelt um so they came back with unravel 2 they said hey we never talked about it until today and we're talking about it now and also it is literally out at this very moment right now so i haven't played it yet I do have a code for it. Uh, full disclosure sent to me by the publishers. Uh, I will plan to get into it and it has co-op, which was not there before. So me and the wife are probably going to play some, uh, couch co-op on that. So we'll see how that goes. The other thing that was announced, uh, for switch and then was also out the exact same day was hollow Knight for, like I said, just for switch. Have you heard of, or have you played hollow Knight in any any, any fashion?
1: I Every time I hear about this game, I get it confused with Shovel Knight, and then I think it's that, and it's not, and I don't think I actually know what Hollow Knight is.
0: Hollow Knight is a 2D Metroidvania action platformer, um, but the hook to this is that these guys who made Hollow Knight clearly are gigantic Dark Souls fans, because a lot of Hollow Knight takes directly from Dark Souls. Um, like the, there's a mechanic where if you die, you got to go back and find where your soul is to get your money back. There are, um, the way that the world is unraveled where it's like really mysterious and you get these weird little interactions with people that don't tell you what's going on, but they kind of make you think about the world in general. I mean, and the, the look of it where you're like inside this decrepit city that used to be a cool place and now it's kind of just decayed. And I mean, there's a million parallels. Um, but that's basically what it is. It's like a, it's like a 2d dark souls, oh and everybody's a bug did I mention that everybody's a bug in this game did I say that I don't think so no yeah so imagine Dark Souls (laughs) if everybody was an insect like a little beetle that's that's what this game is um so that was announced and the same day they announced it they said it was available for download immediately so I've heard about this forever and although I am not I am full disclosure I am not jonesing for more Souls content right now I'm good on that for a while. Uh, I've heard so much about it. I figured I'm just going to give it a try. So I downloaded it. I'm playing it right now, actually. And it's actually not bad. Uh, I may talk about it on a future episode. But that was the other big, that was the other big, hey, it's out right now. Go get it right now. So that was exciting. Uh, Speaking of Dark Souls, uh, the people at From Software had a number of announcements. One that they kind of indirectly talked about was they kind of hinted very strongly that they are working on an update to the Armored Core franchise. Have you ever played Armored Core, Corey?
1: Uh, yeah, but it's been good. A million years, right? Probably like 20 years,
0: yeah. Totally, totally. (laughs) Uh, Armored Core is the mech franchise that From did before Souls where you could take like a million jillion different pieces of a mech suit, like, you know, the arms, the legs, the chest, the head, the radar, the backpack, the guns, and you could put it all together whatever way you wanted, and there was a whole bunch of different missions you could go on. And like the fun of that game was putting your robot together you know, looking for, like, the ultimate build or, you know, maybe making a couple different builds depending on the mission. I was a big fan of uh, Armored Core for many years. uh, And they kind of ran it into the ground, which is something that FromSoft does. But it's been quite a long time since we had one. So I was excited about that. We're going to get more info on that later. They also, um, they had one, which we'll talk about in a second. But the one, the big one was, and I don't know how to pronounce this, I'm guessing it's Sekiro or Sekiro? Shadows Die Twice. Uh, So that was their big reveal. They said that they're not working on another souls. This is not another souls, but this is what they're working on, which seems to be uh, your main character is like a samurai or a ninja of some sort. And he's got an artificial arm, which can, has a grappling hook or it has a cannon or a gun, or maybe you can change pieces of it out. I'm not sure, uh, but it seems very acrobatic. You're jumping around the environment and then you are fighting bosses, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, So Sekiro or Sekiro, whatever. What did you, what did you think of this one, Corey? Um, I think it looks like
1: a... And I had heard that it was actually based on this before it turned into this game, but it looks a hell of a lot like Tenchu Stealth Assassins.
0: Yes, Tenchu. Was Tenchu also done by From, or was that a different company?
1: I think it was a different company, but I haven't played a Tenchu game in probably like 15 years also. But, I mean, Tenchu was famous for... Um, it was, like, a third-person, still the action samurai game or a ninja game, and you had, like, all these different gadgets you could use. You could be on the rooftops of these, like, dojo areas, and it was a pretty difficult game, um, but I remember playing it whenever I was younger on, like, the PlayStation 1 because that's probably the last time I played it. It was either on PS1 or PS2, but Sekiro looks like um, Tenchu, and I think that's rad. I hope that because um, I'm not really a big From fan because their games are just not the kind of games that I like to play. Um, But this is something I could potentially get into. I just hope that it doesn't, that it's not like really, really difficult like all of the other From Software games, because if it is, then I will play it for 15 minutes and stop like I do
0: with all their other games. But we'll have to see. I got to say, as I was looking at it, like part of me was like, okay, I'm not really in the mood for more Souls stuff. And this looks, it doesn't look just like Souls, but it looks Souls adjacent. And <laughs> I got to say it did. I mean, just from the trailer, I'm like, oh God, I bet this is going to be a hard game. It looks like a hard game just watching it. So I would, if I were you, I would brace for a difficult, <laughs> uh, difficult game. I'll check it out. I mean, I'm definitely going to check it out for sure, but we'll see. Interestingly though, there was a lot of samurai shit going around this year, like almost samurai overload. Um, so I'm going to jump ahead a little bit because we're on the topic here, but in addition to Sekiro, and I'm, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that. Please correct me, uh, anybody listening. Um, they also announced uh, Neo Two, which I played Neo last year, and I loved it, the core campaign anyway. But like I had, like I, I I'm I'm good on Samurai stuff right now. Like like I played <laughs> Neo for like eighty hours, and I was like, okay, this is good. And now I'm done. Like I don't want to do any more for a while. I need a Samurai break. And there's all these Samurai games this year. I mean, I think Sekiro counts. Neo 2, I'm like, oh Jesus, like, I don't know if I want more Neo because I think I kind of had enough of Neo the first time around. And also, who is the company that's putting out the other samurai game? Ghost of Tsushima, which is put out by, I want to say Sucker Punch. Does that sound correct to you?
1: That is absolutely correct.
0: Ghost of Tsushima, which is, again, another samurai game. There's like a whole clutch of samurai games, Ghost of Tsushima, which I don't know much about the story, but apparently you're just like a regular like human samurai. And it looks like it maybe is possibly an open world where you're walking around stabbing dudes. And, you know, I mean, there wasn't a (laughs) lot. It it was a cool trailer because graphically it was very, um, very beautiful, but it looked just like kind of like an open world samurai game without I'm not really quite sure what the hook is other than open world samurai game. Did you have thoughts on Ghost of Tsushima,
1: Corey? Um, yeah, I watched a trailer last night for the first time, or at least the newest trailer. And I mean, that I kind of had a similar takeaway where I was like, I mean, first of all, I was like, wow, this game's like, unreasonably beautiful. Like this game is so pretty, that I'm concerned it will not look this pretty whenever it actually comes out. Like, I don't there's no know, way. there's no way, there's no way <laughs> to look that good. No way, no way. So I mean, that was like, first and foremost, because the environment's like really lush. It's like, all this greenery and there's like the big like red trees in the area and like their leaves are falling off and it just it's so beautiful and there's like a fight scene where the main guy's fighting this lady and there's like a beautiful sunset behind them and it's like lighting up the red tree it's just so gorgeous but I mean at the same time I I like the trailer is totally beautiful but I was kind of like okay like what like is this game just gonna be you walking around and like stabbing people like I mean I can get behind that. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I can, I can get behind a third person. <laughs> you're always like, down for some good gun. stamina.
0: You're, you're up for stamina.
1: I mean, I am, but it's like, I, I mean, I think the same way you do where I'm like, okay, what is the hook here? Like, I don't think being pretty is a good enough hook. I know that's a good hook for a lot of people. Um, cough, cough, God of war, cough, cough. But I mean, it's not a game being beautiful. is not necessarily enough to get me all the way into it, but I, I just need to know a little bit more about this game. And, I mean, coming from Sucker Punch, the thing that cracks me up whenever I watched a trailer for it last night is like at the very end of the trailer, the Sucker Punch logo comes up and in my, the back of my head, the first thing I thought of, I accidentally thought of Rock and I was like, oh, I was like, OK, I could totally get behind this because like Rock knows what the fuck they're doing when it comes to third person combat. And then I was like, oh, no, it's Sucker Punch. They do the
0: infamous games. And then I immediately got sad again about it. Oh, dude. Yeah, no kidding, dude. I mean, I don't know what Rocksteady's been up to, but I kind of would trust them a little bit more because Sucker Punch, for me anyway, does not have a very good track record. I thought the infamous games were all pretty uniformly terrible, um, except for <laughs> Last Light. Did you ever play Last Light, the DLC with the, that had the girl as the main character? I didn't. The only, the
1: game, um, whatever, uh, infamous Second Son, that's the only infamous I've played all the way
0: through, and I did not play the DLC for it. Oh, dude. Okay. So like if you're ever in the mood for something like that, the DLC Last Light, which stars um, the girl character who had like the neon powers, I don't know what her name is, but that actually was actually really good. Like that was a very compact six hour experience and they took away all of the stuff that didn't work in the main game. And it was just really, really cool. I I thought Last Light was great. Other than that, I do not like the infamous games. I have a little concern about how this is going to go. And I got to be honest with you, man. Um, apart from the whole, what is your hook other than being pretty, which clearly is not enough. I don't think that's enough for any game, honestly. Um, Not to be like that guy, uh, but I'm watching Ghost of Tsushima and I'm like, this is a very Japanese cultural game. I mean, it looks like it's taking place in Japan or something that is supposed to look like Japan in feudal times. This guy is clearly a Japanese samurai. Uh, Like what makes Sucker Punch think that it's okay for them to make this game, I guess. (laughs) You know, cultural appropriation is a big thing that people are talking about these days. And I don't think that, I don't think it's, I don't think there is no merit. I think there is some merit to having that discussion. Now, I'm not saying that people can't write about things that they don't have experience in. I'm not saying that at all, but I just, in in the back of my mind, I was like, well, what makes you guys want to make a Samurai game? Because as far as I know, they're just an American studio. I mean, I mean, unless there's, some connection that I don't know about, or maybe there's some reason for them to make this. I'm just like, why are you guys making this? Like if it was coming from Japan, I wouldn't really blink twice. Cause that is, you know, that is their cultural jam. That is their, their legacy to work with, but that's not our legacy. And I, I, I did actually have to raise a little bit of eyebrow at this. And I was kind of wondering just why, like what's going on with this. So I, you know, I'm not making any judgments. I'm not saying they can't do it. I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not judging anything. I'm just, I'm, I have question marks. I have question <laughs> marks about this. So. We right. shall see. We shall see. Um, okay, so let's move on. Beyond Good and Evil 2. I'm going to jump around a little bit. Beyond Good and Evil 2. Did you watch that trailer? I watched it like right before we started recording, as a matter of fact. Okay, so once again, this is like the second or third time that Ubisoft has taken Beyond Good and Evil 2, which has been in the works, I don't know, for how many years. I mean, the original game came out, I don't even know. It was like on the original Xbox, I think. Like, not even the Xbox 360, I'm pretty sure. And heavily anticipated, and people weren't even sure it was ever going to happen, but now it's apparently happening in some form. Second time that they have shown a CG-only trailer. We have seen exactly zero gameplay. We don't know any details about it. And this extended trailer that they showed at E3, uh, you know, it gave us more insight into the world. It seems like, I don't know, kind of a ragtag group of people on a ship of some sort. Flying through space, they get assaulted by, you know, what is the equivalent of, like, a Star Destroyer from Star Wars or whatever. And it seems like the main bad guy is going to be... Is is the star of the original game, which is a real surprising turn. Any... Like, do you... Did you play Beyond Good Evil 2? And if so, what do you think of that? What do you think of this? Do you even care about Beyond Good Evil 2? (laughs) Because I I have a lot of... Also, also another question mark about this game. But what was your your takeaway? Well, I never played the
1: first one because I never got around to it on Xbox. But it became backwards compatible on the Xbox 360. Uh, and the thing that really uh, sent me over the edge on it is that I bought it and I really wanted to play it because it's one of those games, it's like a cult classic that everybody loves. Whenever I downloaded it on my Xbox 360, it did not have inverted controls. So, Oh, I,
0: yes, yes. I think we mentioned this one time. I think you mentioned this before. Yes, yeah. I remember this.
1: So I played it for about a half an hour and I was like, okay, this game has too much platforming and too much action for me to like acclimate to... Uh, standard control scheme. So I just stopped playing it. And I'm, and so, I mean, obviously I'm not that interested in Beyond Good and Evil 2 because I never really played the first one. But from what I've seen of the second one, I mean, last year's E3 trailer is whenever they like finally like officially unveiled it. And that E3 trailer was embarrassing. And this one, I mean, we talked about it last year and this one was definitely better. It was like tonally more consistent. It was like kind of had a better world and a better better attitude about it because last year's trailer it was like trying to be edgy for edgy's sake and this one it was just a pretty straightforward cgi trailer but i'm not that interested in it because i it's i just i don't know i mean i'm just not interested like i didn't play the first one this one seems to be having like space combat i think they showed a little bit of the gameplay during the during the conference after the trailer and it It's just not something that I'm interested in. So I don't know what else to say.
0: Yeah, that's about where I'm at. I mean, I played Beyond Good and Evil, the first one, and I thought it was genuinely a good game. But I mean, that was like years ago, years and years ago. And I don't necessarily have a strong attachment to it, man. I enjoyed it at the time, but it's not like, you know, I wouldn't say that I'm like a huge fanboy of it or like I it's not like I was waiting this whole time for it to come back. I mean, I'm happy to see that there might be something else coming. But at the same time, it's like just knock it off, like like if you got something to show, show it. Otherwise, don't waste my time with just purely cinematic trailers. And there's also, I don't know if you caught wind of this, but there's some kind of weird bullshit thing going on where they were asking people to like submit art or something like that. They were kind of like trying to crowdsource some art or some assets that were going to go in the game. And they're like, oh, if we use your, your assets, we'll pay you. And if not, it's some kind of a contest. And like, everybody, let's get, let's get, uh, you know, your inclusion in this game. And I'm like, wait a minute, what is going on with this? This sounds ridiculous. Like, why... I mean, if it's like a one little teeny tiny little contest for publicity, that's fine. But what they were describing sounded more like we need assets and we can't afford to pay for them or something like that. So I don't know. This whole thing just kind of smells a little bit to me. I mean, hopefully it'll be fine. <laughs> but I just am like, I wish you would stop teasing it and just show me something concrete. So uh, whatever. I mean, I'm open to it, but I'm not like super, you know, I'm not holding my breath on anything for it. Uh, let's talk about oh, man. I mean, let's talk about Devil May Cry Five. Uh, because this is not DMC two. I was a huge fan of DMC. Did you also like DMC? Yeah, I loved DMC. Okay, good. You you are a smart man because DMC was great. <laughs> I love DMC. For my money, that was the best out of the entire series. Would you would you would you agree with that? I would agree with that. Yeah, I thought DMC was amazing, and that was done by. Ninja Theory. Uh, they are no longer working on the series that has reverted back to Capcom, I believe. I think that's who's working on it. Uh, I believe that's correct. I think so. Yeah. I don't know if they have like a partner or whatever, but they announced Devil May Cry 5, which has nothing to do with DMC, which made me really sad. It seems to be like a continuation of the main Devil May Cry series. Like anybody, like anybody's even following that fucking storyline. Like there's <laughs> even a storyline there to follow. Uh, they showed a trailer, which I don't know how you felt about it. I felt like it was incredibly cringeworthy. I thought it was so embarrassing and off point and just really... I was watching it with my family and I'm like, oh God, this is the kind of thing that like... Whenever somebody has a really bad impression of gamers and they think gamers are like weird nerd losers and they... Are, you know dysfunctional people like that is what this trailer made me think of like this was like all that nerdy broy shit with like just really poor sense of humor and just really like in poor taste and like nothing i mean not only did i not get excited for this game it actually actively turned me off of this game like i was just i i wanted to be away from this game so uh what was your take on this uh this trailer they showed Corey.
1: Um, I, I actually, I mean, I didn't like, I wasn't like in love with the trailer or anything, but the thought of a new Devil May Cry makes me kind of happy because the weird thing is like, you're right. This is supposed to be a continuation of Devil May Cry 4, which came out, I don't know, like 10 years ago. So like, you're right. Like who fucking cares? But the funny thing is that this trailer heavily features Nero, who was one of the playable characters in Devil May Cry 4. That was the first game he was in. And I don't know about you, but Nero looks a hell of a lot like Dante from DMC and Devil May Cry 5. So I They're feel like... They're fucking twins,
0: dude. They are twins. Like, but it's I don't, weird yeah. because
1: it's like the character design. Like, he looks... Like, he has, like, the short hair. Because in 4, he had long white hair. And in this one, he has short hair. And he looks similar to the DMC Dante. So I'm like, okay, is Capcom trying to, like have their cake and eat it too here. Like, they're saying, oh, we're not letting Ninja Theory do another Devil May Cry or another DMC, but we're going to make the character kind of look like the DMC Dante. So that way, like, I don't know, maybe you can kind of maybe be fooled into thinking that this is being made by Ninja Theory. So I think that's kind of an interesting thing. They also introduced this, like, female character who, like, Oh, God. Oh, God. She she looks... Man, she looks like... Kind of like, I don't, I don't know her name, but the chick that was in the last Final Fantasy game that's, like, the mechanic lady with, like, the tube top and the short shorts and the cowboy boots, like, it kind of looks like that. It's, like, a very, like, you can tell it's a very, like, Japanese take on what they think an attractive woman is or something like that. Like, very, like, that sort of take. And I'm not interested in that. I mean, if the gameplay is good, I'll be into it, but... Cause I mean, nobody comes to Double May Cry for the story. Like, let's be real here. I mean, DMC had a decent story and the script was pretty hilarious, but the other Double May Cry is just they're silly, they take themselves way too seriously. They're games where you watch a cutscene and the main character is doing all this amazingly spectacular stuff, and then once the game gives you control of it, like you can't do any of that stuff at all. So it's like really not player-friendly in that regard. But I mean, if it's if the game plans are being fun enough, I'll probably, like, game fly it and play it. But I'm, I'm approaching this one with caution.
0: Well, okay, so let's circle back for just a second. So I played part of Devil May Cry 4, and I just bounced off it. I did not like it at all. And I was very confused because, you're right, Nero looks... In fact, I thought he was Dante for a while. Like, they look exactly the same. So what is... Do you know what the deal is? Why do they look so similar? Is one of them a clone of the other? Or what the fuck is going on with that? Do you
1: know? I, I think in, and I didn't finish Devil May Cry 4, but I think in Devil May Cry 4, it does kind of like the dual campaign thing where you play as like a campaign th- as Nero. And then once you finish it, you like play as Dante and you kind of like go back through the campaign. I might be mistaken on that, but I think, spoiler alert for a 10-year-old game, I don't even know if this is like a real spoiler or not. I think Nero is uh, Dante's nephew or something? I think they're related. So like Oh God. That's, that's even worse why, than him being a clone. That's yeah, even worse. So that's like why they looked similar in four? Because they they both I mean, Nero essentially looks like a younger Dante in Devil May Cry Four, but now in Devil May Cry Five, he looks just like DMC Dante, like pretty much. So Like, when they first shut off the trailer, a bunch of people thought he was Dante, like you said, and then at the very end of the trailer, they actually show Dante, and he still looks kind of like Dante. Like, he's got the long white hair, he's on a motorcycle, he's got, like, the red armor on. So it is interesting that they took a lot of, like, visual cues from DMC, considering Capcom seems to have, like, shunned that game, even though it was the best in the series,
0: to sort of, like, redesign uh, Nero in it. I I just you know, I, I, if I, if you had to ask me, like, what is my favorite publisher out of everybody? There's a very strong chance that I would pick Capcom because I really do love like a lot of their games and a lot of their games are my favorites, but I have never clicked with Devil May Cry as a series. DMC was the best it ever got for me. And when they brought out Devil May Cry 5, I was like, this looks like shit. Like it just looks like (laughs) shit. I just don't, none of it looks good. None of it was on point for me. I'm not interested in this at all. And it just, it was really in poor taste, like a lot of it. I just felt like, where's the artistry? Where's the style? Like, this just seems really just cringeworthy. So fucking cringeworthy. <laughs> so. All right, we're going to move on. Let's talk about, well, let's talk about one of the big ones. Let's talk about one that I know that you were very excited to talk about. And you you mentioned already the Resident Evil 2 remake. Um, I guess you probably know more about this than I do. I'm going to let you take the lead. So why don't you tell us what it's about and then just launch into your, your thoughts on the Resident Evil 2 remake. Go for it. Okay, so Resident Evil 2, which
1: came out, I think it was in, like, 98, is one of my favorite survival horror games of all time. Um, I think I maybe have mentioned this on the show once before, but I actually owned Resident Evil 2 before I owned a PlayStation 1, and I'm gonna, like, make it sound like it was a big deal, but really there was only, like, an hour difference between buying one and buying the other, but that's how excited I was about playing that game, um, And it's one of my favorite survival horror games of all time. I think it's brilliant. Um, It basically kind of did a a good sequel thing, sort of like how Assassin's Creed 2 did, where it, like, built upon every successful thing that the first Resident Evil did and, like, made it even better and even more interesting. And the Resident Evil remake that came out on GameCube that uh, came out... Uh, got redone I don't know a few years ago for uh, all the current consoles that is one of the best remakes I have ever played that is also one of my favorite survival horror games of all time it's absolutely brilliant and basically that's sort of what they're doing with Resident Evil 2 they're redesigning it it's not like a port or not like an hd re-release or some bullshit like that they're essentially um redesigning the entire game from the from the bottom up but with um like an uh, allegedly it has an over the shoulder camera this time so it's going to control very similarly to Resident Evil 4 um It looks like, uh, according to all the evidence that's out so far, that it's actually going to be like a slower paced survival horror game. There's going to be a lot of puzzles in it. It's not going to be like Resident Evil 6 and 7, or Resident Evil 6 and 5, I mean, where it's like you running and gunning and punching through zombies and kicking them and suplexing them and all this stupid bullshit. Like, it's actually like slow paced, probably going to be a lot of ammo conservation. Uh, probably going to have to be smart about where you aim your gun to disable zombies and stuff like that. Um, and not about running and gunning. And I mean, basically whenever they shut off the trailer, they had two different trailers for it. Um, it looks pretty much like everything I expected it to be everything I wanted it to be. It's just like, totally redesigned looks beautiful apparently they're gonna be like adding like a few little areas here and there and like mixing things up just a tiny bit in the police station because the police station is where you spend most of the game much like how they did with the mansion and the Resident Evil remake they like added a few new rooms and a few new hallways so the the base game was similar but there was like just enough thrown in to like keep you on your toes if you were familiar with the old game so I mean I'm just really excited for this um I I'm like honestly like kind of fully expecting this to be my game of the year next year already because like it looks fantastic it's a remake of one of my favorite games the team that's working on it like I know I can trust them to make brilliant remakes they've done it before hopefully they'll do it again and I'm just really really pumped about this
0: Right on, right on. I know people were excited for this. There was a very, very strong response. This was a lot of people's game of the show, which is very cool. Um, I played Resident Evil 2 back in the day, uh, and I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It was one of my favorite Resident Evil games, um, very much so. Uh, I liked uh, the cast of characters. I liked... Uh, this is one that had um, like Mr. X in it, wasn't it? Is that the one? Yep. Yeah, I liked Mr. X a lot. I thought that was very cool. Uh, the, the multiple scenarios. And this is also one of the few games where I actually went back and did like everything in the game. Like I went back, completed, you know, the both campaigns and everything, got the best ratings, went back and there was an extra campaign where you play as one of the umbrella agents called Hunk and I did his scenario, finished that. After you did the hunk scenario, you unlocked uh, the tofu scenario where you play (laughs) as a stick of tofu with a knife, went back, unlocked that, finished that, totally finished it. So I did everything in that game, Um, really enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, I, you know, but we, as we've said so many times on the show, I have kind of lost my taste for horror games. I just get too scared and I don't enjoy like the tense fear anymore. Like it doesn't, it doesn't hit me in the right way anymore. And I don't know that I'll be playing this just because in general, I don't play scary games anymore, but I am really excited to check it out. And I don't know. I mean, I feel like I'm kind of missing out, but at the same time, like I know, like I don't enjoy breaking into a cold sweat when I'm playing games at 11 o'clock and I'm (laughs) by myself in my room. Like, it's just not fun anymore. So I I don't know. We'll see. I'm very, I'm very glad they brought it back and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing your take. Certainly. Uh, But it seems like this is going to be, you know, unless they fuck it up, this is going to be a pretty big win for Capcom. So I'm excited for them. So cool, cool, cool. Uh, Let's see what else we got to talk about. Uh, Just real quickly, um, any interest in Fallout 76, the one that was announced where it's like a multiplayer online and people can blow up your base and everybody's kind of like there's no apparently single-player campaign. I was like, oh, this is not what I want from a Fallout at all. And I didn't really like Fallout 4 either. Any interest in 76? I'm guessing not. Uh, not really. I've heard rumors that it's possible to play through the game by yourself
1: if you want to, but I'm not sure that I can trust that take. Um, but I'm, I'm not interested in this, like, at all. It'll be interesting to see what the, like, review sphere says when it comes out. Because it's, like, one of the few games that actually had a release date tag to it whenever it uh, debuted at E3. Um, it'll be out in November. So I wish the game well, but I'm not that interested in it.
0: Yeah, me neither. I I really lost uh, a lot of love for the series after my distaste for Fallout 4. And I just... the I mean, if it was... PvE with friends, I might be more interested in it because my son is real big on Fallout. He loves Fallout a lot. So I could easily see him and I like building a base together and killing mutants together. Like that could be a thing that could happen for like family time. But if some asshole can just come along and blow up your base when you're, I don't know, just if they could just wreck what you've done like that. Like, no, 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 that's not gonna, I I do not want any part of that. My son would be crushed. I'd be pissed off. We'd have to go back and kill whoever blew up our base, and then it would just be this giant cycle of violence that is just no good. Like I don't want that from I don't want that from an online experience. So if it was co op only, maybe, but PVE the way they're de- or I mean PVP the way they're describing or whatever they're describing, like yeah, no thanks. So we will we will wait and see on that one. Uh, I do want to give a shout out though to Rage Two. I played the first. Did you ever play the first Rage from Id Software? I played some of it. Any thoughts on it? Nah, not much. Um, I didn't
1: like it at the time, but I also don't think I fully understood it at the time. I played it.
0: I did not care for it at all. I bounced off it really quickly. Um, didn't really give a shit about it. And when they announced Rage 2, gave similar level of shits, which was basically zero, until I found out that Avalanche Software was working on it, because Avalanche, uh, I actually do have a bit of respect for them. They do the Just Cause, and they also did Mad Max, which I thought was Fantastic. And once I heard they were attached, all of a sudden I was actually interested because what Range 2 looks like, it looks like a first person open world Mad Max is what it looks like. And Mad Max was fantastic. None of people played that. None of people respected it. I thought that game was phenomenal. Would definitely be up for more of that. Um, I don't know how I feel about the switch to first person because I just generally don't like first person games just on a personal level. Nothing, you know, not making commentary about this game in particular, but uh, it looks like crazy post-apocalyptic mutant Mad Max open world get a car get a mech suit get a bunch of guns I mean it looks just like kind of stupid screw around fun and knowing that Avalanche is attached really made me pay attention in a way that I absolutely would not have paid attention otherwise so I I don't know that this is going to be my thing exactly but I am definitely willing to give it a shot did you um I forget did, we ever, did you ever play Mad Max I played much like Rage 1 I played
1: some of it <laughs> They'll dip in, dip out. Yeah, I mean, I played it for a few hours, so it was more than just, like, a little bit. And it was, like, it was fine. I mean, I don't know. Like, I wasn't invested enough to keep playing it, but I thought it was
0: all right. All right, all right. Well, we we shall see. I I don't know that this is going to be good, but I'm going to at least give it a chance. Let's talk about now um, about a game from a studio who I give zero shits about, who I do not care about (laughs) and have no enthusiasm for whatsoever. I think that you would feel differently, uh, but control coming from Remedy Software. I just full disclosure: I have never liked a Remedy game, like ever. I think I sort of liked Alan Wake. I didn't love it. I didn't love it, but I, I thought it was okay. I do I do not have any love whatsoever for Max Payne. I, I actively dislike Max Payne, um, and I did not even bother with um, what's that? The most recent one, the time. Travel, whatever. They did a TV oh, show. Quantum Break. Quantum Break. I was like, whatever. Whatever with your Quantum Break. Get out of here. I'm not even going to bother with that. <laughs> so uh, they announced Control, which is... I don't even know what it even looks like. Some people were saying it looked like a follow-up to kind of like... Um... Not Second Side, but what was the other... PSI mental powers game that came out about the same time as second side are you talking about psyops psyops yeah people were saying it looked like psyops like you know just kind of in spirit nothing there's no actual connection to it but uh it looked like a woman who's in some kind of a I don't know portal like test facility and all the walls and stuff move around all in a crazy way like the, the building reconfigures itself and she's got some kind of a weird gun that's like made out of like building blocks or something and she can like <laughs> reconfigure the gun somehow and shoot stuff and she can fly and you know mental 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 powers, kind of a weird i mean there wasn't a lot shown but it looked it, you know stylish but then again i think every remedy game is stylish until you play it and then it's just crap so uh <laughs> what what were your thoughts on control Corey? uh okay so remedy is like one of those
1: developers that i just keep rooting for because like i want i want them to make good games but they just kind of like they, they remind me of Quantic Dream because like Quantic Dream, um like uh Fahrenheit slash Indigo Prophecy was their second game. But I think a lot of people came to Quantic Dream thinking that was their first game. And that game, like a lot of people loved it. And it kind of like really set the stage for them and kind of put them on the map. And that was similarly with uh Max Payne with Remedy. Like they kind of put Max Payne put them on the map it was like really sort of like revolutionary at the time and it it really did the whole bullet time thing well um I liked Max Payne a lot I also liked Max Payne too I mean they're they're those games are like cheesy as hell but I really like them because the gameplay is fun enough to keep me into them I mean the story is like all right like it's good enough and but like Alan Wake came out and it was supposed to be this, like, big, like, they've been working on it for so long. Because, like, much like Quantic Dream, Remedy is one of those companies that puts out a game every, like, se- like several years between their games. They don't just turn around games every year. And I was so excited about Alan Wake. And whenever I played it, by the time I got to the end of it, I actively disliked it. Uh, did not care for it at all. Um, thought it was not great at all. And... Kind of the same thing happened with Quantum Break. Like, I came to it, like, just really rooting for him, being like, all right, Remedy, like, you guys can do it. This has got to be good. And I played it, and I was like, man, this game sucks. Like, it's just not good. Like, I wrote, the, I, re- I reviewed it for Game Critics, so if you want to go back and read my review, by all means, uh, go read it. And whenever I wrote that review... My first draft was about four times as long with even more complaints, so kudos to Brad for, like, cutting my review in half, but (laughs) keeping the spirit of it intact, because there was no limit to the amount of things I complain about in that game. But, I mean, here we are with Control, and I find myself in the same position where I'm rooting for Remedy. Like, the game looks interesting enough, Um, it doesn't look like they're doing any gimmicky bullshit, like Quantum Break had the whole TV show attached to it where like every time you finished a chapter there was like a half an hour of like a live action show to watch it's really silly uh control as, so far just looks like a game it looks like straight up game totally looks like second sight i was getting major um second sight vibes when i was playing it because there's it looks like the main character has some kind of like telekinesis ability or some kind of something where she can like throw things at people like chairs and stuff pick them up and you know with her mind and like launch them across the room um, not a whole lot's out for the game yet. We don't really know exactly what's going on. A lot of people are comparing it to Inception as well because of like the building morphing and like running on walls and stuff like that. Um, but here I am yet again, being a cheerleader for Remedy, uh, did not like their last two games at all, actively disliked their last two games, but I still, I will get <laughs> still game, rooting for them. <laughs> I will still give this game a shot because it looks interesting. I mean, you know, the least I can do is rent it, play it send it back. I mean, it's not like I'm going to be there buying it on day one or, you know, picking up the collector's edition or anything, but it looks interesting enough to get me into it. But it's also, I know Remedy well enough at this point to, even if I pick it up and play it for an hour and I don't like it, I probably will just stop playing it. Um, But I mean, it has my interest. I'm definitely interested to see what
0: happens with it. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I, I'm guessing it's gonna be bad because I just nothing they've done has really proven to me that we are on the same level. I mean, I know they have fans and then you know, that's fine. If people like their games, that's totally fine. No judgment for me. But like for me personally, their games just consistently miss the mark in terms of scripting, in terms of game playing, in terms of game design. I just like I just don't we are just, we are just not compatible, me and Remedy. So (laughs) it looks cool visually. I mean, I like the trailer. It looked really cool, but I just know I'm like, I'm not even going to bother getting excited about this because it's just going to disappoint me again. So I'm not going (laughs) to, not putting too much energy into that one. Um, let's move on to a game that I did put a lot of energy into. Uh, the first dying light came out a couple of years ago. I thought it was fantastic. Great experience. Really had a lot of fun with that open world parkour zombie game. I think I did basically everything in the game that you could do. Uh, The DLC was horrible, but I mean, that aside, the main game was fantastic. I really liked it a lot. And now they've just announced Dying Light 2. Again, uh, open world parkour, same sort of thing, but this one apparently takes place, I don't know, like 10 or 15 years after the initial zombie outbreak of the first game. So now we're seeing a world that is like, learned how to deal with the zombies or at least has been able to hang on the entire time. Uh, they talked about at E3 that there's going to be a lot more emphasis on story. One of the things that the game got knocked for last time was the story was was just okay, but it was kind of slight, and you were really in it just for the parkour action. Like, you weren't really there for the story. This time around, they have changed things up, way more emphasis on story, and they are bringing in the big guns because they have employed uh, Chris Avalone, to take charge of the narrative design. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Chris Avalon, but he is one of the best writers in all of video games. He's been uh behind so many uh landmark and critically acclaimed games. I mean, if you want to talk about good writers in games, like Chris Avalon is like, he's always in the conversation. So when they mentioned that he was working on the storyline, I was like, holy shit, they must be really getting fucking serious about making this something that's worthwhile. Um, so that's great news to me. I have great respect for Chris and his work, and I already liked the gameplay of Dying Light. So, like the gameplay plus a better story sounds amazing to me. Um, and they also detailed a couple of choices, like where the things that you do in the world will have a great impact. You know, for example, uh, the the they gave was there's you know these two factions fighting for water. One are like rebels, and one are like the police force. And depending on which one you sided with, would have a great uh, effect on like the people of the world and how the people would perceive you. So like, apparently there's tons and tons and tons of those choices. And if it was anybody else, I would be a little bit more skeptical, but I do know the kind of work that Chris Avalon does. And he walks the talk. Like He can back that up based on previous work. So he, if he brings a similar level of quality to Dying Light 2, that's going to be fucking amazing. I'm pretty fucking stoked for this. Uh, what did you think of uh, Dying Light 2, Corey? Well, I only played the first
1: Dying Light a little bit it was one of those games where, like, I, I like I rented it and I spent, like, a whole day playing it for, like, five hours straight. And then, like, the next time I picked it up, like, a day or two later, I was like, you know, I just don't really feel like playing this anymore. And then I just, like, sent it back to Gamefly. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about the second one. I mean, I feel like at this point, if you're leading with, like... Oh, your choices have consequences. Like, that's such, like, a rote thing for games now that I'm really tired of hearing about. Um, and it doesn't really look like a lot of the gameplay is changing. Like, it's still first-person, a lot of parkour, um, a lot of zombie stuff going on. Um, it's probably going to take some cues from, like, The Last of Us, maybe, because it's going to be you against zombies and also you against, like, uh, human player. Not, uh, like, PvP, but I mean, like, humans in uh, the environment. Um, it looks slightly like dishonored a little bit to me the art style um is kind of pushing me in like a very slight dishonored direction which you'd think would make me more interested but i probably will just give this one a hard
0: pass if i'm being honest oh yeah i hear you i hear you if you didn't really click with the first one i don't imagine that just adding a storyline would be enough to grab you for the second one but i mean i you know like i said i love the first one the main campaign anyway and like the thought that uh a talented writer like Chris is on this has got me really excited. So, I mean, it, it, you know, the, the diverging storyline thing is kind of a bullet point for a lot of games these days, but he is a guy who actually, like, makes that happen in a big way. So I, just him announcing that he's working on it was, like, pretty huge to me. Like, that is enough to, for me to pay attention. So I'm excited, psyched for that. And since you brought it up, The Last of Us Part 2 let's go ahead and talk about that now. Probably one of the biggest shows, game uh ga- shows of the game, games of the show, whatever, you know <laughs> what I mean. One of the biggest games in the show, they showed quite a bit of footage. I mean, it was like 10 or 15 minutes of gameplay footage. And they started off with Ellie from the first game. And she was at a dance and she was uh, kissing another girl. So people were very happy to see that there was already some lesbian content in there for people who want that. You know, you can count me in that camp. I liked that aspect of it in the first Last of Us. It was really great stuff. Um, So that was a big statement to make with the trailer with all uh, the world's eyes on it. So they led with that. Then it went into gameplay where they showed some really brutal, like really brutal combat of uh, Ellie killing some humans. We did not see any of the clicker fungus zombies from the first game. I'm sure they're in there somewhere, but for the trailer, we just saw her slaughtering um, a bunch of other humans. And oh my God, like I mean, I am not a prude, like I am not squeamish, but like looking at some of these animations and some of the stuff that was going on, I was like, wow, they spent a lot of time animating this guy's throat getting slit just perfectly. I hope no one was injured in the making of this game because that looked (laughs) horrific. Um, So I'm not quite sure how I feel about the super gore and violence. I mean, if it's done well, it's fine, but I guess it remains to be seen. But um, I mean, we don't really know much about it story-wise. I mean, Ellie's back, and they are, you know, clearly other humans, and, you know, Last of Us action. Uh, I don't know. I mean, what do you what do you think, Corey? Uh, I mean,
1: it looks... I don't know. Like, I'm not that hot on the first Last of Us, and this looks just like more of the Last of Us, but all of, like, the least interesting parts of the first Last of Us. So I'm just kind of like, yeah, like, whatever. I mean... I'm I'm over like this thing that Naughty Dog has going on where they have to like make like the most realistic, like brutal violence that they can. It's just like it's boring. It's not interesting. Like I'm not interested in watching a guy hanging from a tree watching another guy stab him in the stomach a bunch of times and then rip his guts out like that's not interesting it's just oh, like that was
0: oh that was so gross when he did that though i was i was horrified a little bit
1: i mean like to me it's just like not even gross it's just like boring it's just like like okay so you can do violence like what else can you do like that's sort of the way i'm thinking about this and i mean people are already making predictions about the story like the girl that's at the dance with Ellie, she probably like dies in the first 10 minutes of the game. And then Ellie spends the rest of the game, like going on a revenge quest to, you know, whatever, get back at whoever killed her or something like that. I mean, I'm not expecting the story of this game to be very deep. I know that I'm in the very low minority of people that think that the first game story wasn't that great because I don't think, I think the last of us is incredibly overrated. Um, But this is one of those games kind of like God of war where it's like, even if they put out a really like by the books mediocre game, like people are gonna, it's gonna get like 50 perfect tens, you know, on Metacritic or something like that. Like, that's just the way it's going to be because people can't seem to look deeper than, uh, I don't know, like the animations and the graphics and the voice acting to really like assess the game uh, properly, in my opinion. So, that's just sort of like my prediction about what's gonna happen with the game. I mean, I'm sure I'll play it. Um, I don't know if I'll enjoy it, but it's one of those games where like I'll wanna see what happens. Um, but I'm just not, I'm not impressed by what Naughty Dog is doing. Like all they keep doing is showing trailers with like a lot of violence in them. And it's just not interesting to me. Like, I don't care that you can render an arrow going through someone's shoulder. I don't care that you can render Ellie using a machete to cut some guy's neck. Like, it's not interesting to me. Like violence for violence sake isn't interesting and I'm just over them, like hammering this idea over and over and over into our heads that it's like, ooh, this is a violent post-apocalyptic future. Like, ooh, it's like, I get it. I get it. Like, we all we all get it. We all know what you're doing. And it's just boring to me at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know that we diverge on The Last of Us. I liked it a lot. You didn't like it so much. And that's totally fine. But I definitely agree with you that this this angle they're taking to promote Last of Us 2 where they seem to be spending so much time on the hyperviolence of the game, which, I'm, you know, like I said, if it's in context and done well, it's totally fine. But like, I don't want to see that in the trailers. I want to see more of what's going on. And I get that, you know, this game is probably going to be very heavily story based. And so it's hard to convey that in a trailer. But at the same time, show me more of what you're doing. Like, show me, you know, like, is there a human village? Is there, you know, what other things can you do? Like, I mean, it does look very similar to the first one. Uh, And I did like the first one, although I will say that I'm not sure that I wanted Ellie's story to continue, Um, kind of like in the same way that they did with, uh, not they, I mean like they, as in developers in general, like with (laughs) The Walking Dead, um, you know, I thought Clementine was an amazing character and I didn't really want her story to continue. And I I feel like that kind of lessened um, the impact of the first Walking Dead. I wonder if that's going to be the same thing here where they're going to continue with Ellie. I mean, maybe it'd be better to just continue with a whole brand new cast of characters and focus on another part of the world rather than continue that story. Uh, so I guess I'm concerned that they have, that they have a legit other story to tell, but I'll give them the benefit of the doubt because I, I liked the first Last of Us so much, but in general, I am not a Naughty Dog fan. That was like the one game they made that I really liked a lot. I don't, I don't like Uncharted um, and I haven't liked their other stuff earlier. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, question mark on that one as well. Um, let's move on to another game that is nothing but question marks, <laughs> Death Stranding. Wow. The shit they showed at E3 (laughs) blew me away. And I don't know that it was even in a good way. Like, it was just a weird way. They, again, um, so Hideo Kojima's new project after separating with Konami, uh, he showed a bunch of trailers. Apparently, he was working with Guillermo del Toro. I don't know if he still is. He's working with a bunch of big name Hollywood actors. The guy from Walking Dead, whose name I can't remember right now, who plays Daryl. Norman Reedus. Yes, Ritas, Renas and his fetus. And there's also Mads Mikkelsen. And there's a couple other big name actors that are involved. And so, you know, pe- people clearly want to work with Kojima, which is fine. Uh, but I just I, I, I have questions about this game because we actually got to see some gameplay this time. And it looks like what you do is you carry shit. You just have a big backpack. <laughs> And you start carrying shit from one place to another. That's what this game looks like it's about. You carry shit for people. And I just was like, wait a minute. I hear you're carrying a box and then you're carrying a dead body and then you're carrying some kind of big equipment. You just you just strap random shit to your back and start walking across a landscape. And I just was like, okay, so clearly we're not seeing everything this game has to offer. Clearly, I know that he's got a lot of secrets up his sleeve. I know it's way too early. But I was just like, wow, like what? I mean, the stone's on this guy. He's like, yeah, yeah, you guys are all hyped up for my game. I've been teasing it for, like, two years. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to strap on a backpack and walk across this land. And like, <laughs> what? Like, wow, uh, what? Um, they showed some other shit, too. Like, you know, again, they did the whole hold your breath to avoid the invisible monsters thing. And there's also uh, a part they showed where you have to like avoid a bunch of weird spiritual monsters that are like hovering in the air. And um, I think Norman Reed has accidentally like walked into one and he died or something like that. I mean, who knows what the fuck this game is? I nobody knows. It's just question mark upon question mark, really bizarre. Who knows if Kojima has gone off the deep end? What he's even planning? I like no, no idea. But this guy has got the eyes of the world upon him. Um, What did you think of what they showed this year, Corey? Well, when I went back to watch the new E3 trailer, I actually
1: made the – it was either the smartest or the dumbest decision of my life to watch all four of the trailers that have come out so far back to back. Luckily, all I did was search Death Stranding Trailer on YouTube, YouTube, and it was like the second thing that popped up, which was a super cut of all four of them, just to see if there's anything, you know, like any little – bits and pieces that I could pick out from, you know, trailers one through four to kind of sum them up. And I mean, the takeaway is that no, I have not. But um, the I mean, the thing that I like about the new trailer is that I do like that they show what seems to be gameplay like it seems to be like literal in engine gameplay of Norman Reedus walking around these environments Um, you know, caring shit, as you might imagine. I saw a lot of people tweeting jokes about, like, oh, Hideo Kojima is making a walking simulator, like, from Twitter during the press conference, which I thought was kind of funny. But, I mean, to be honest, uh, this kind of footage makes me more interested in the game, because I've said on the show before, like, I'm kind of over Kojima's whole, like, we're going to give you one trailer a year and unveil like one really tiny tidbit of the story and not really tell you what's going on. Like, honestly, like I just want a release date and I want the game to come out. I don't care if the game's not coming out for five years. Like, tell me when you think it's going to come out and I want the game. Like, I'm tired of watching all these trailers. But I also said, I think on last year's E3 show, maybe it was the year before, who knows, um, that. The thing that I'm worried about this game is that and this is what I said I think last year was that I was worried that it was just going to turn into another third person shooter that it was going to be like Metal Gear Solid kind of reskinned in this new universe and it was going to be you being Norman Reedus and it was going to be some like stealthy tactical shooter but this new trailer actually gives me hope that this is going to be something a lot different because the I mean honestly the last thing I want to do is play uh, Metal Gear Solid reskinned like I love Metal Gear most of them but I don't want to play those again. If I wanted to play them again, I would just play them again. Um, So it's kind of interesting to see that this game is going, seems to be going in a little bit different of a direction. It seems like maybe it's slower paced. It seems like maybe there's more um, focus on the environment and, and about being aware of your surroundings and getting from point A to point B. So, I mean... It does have my interest. I like that the trailer was not just Norman Reedus shooting a bunch of things, that it wasn't him sneaking around a bunch of enemies. I mean, who knows what else is going to be in store? Because if Kojima put out a game and all you did was walk around environments with different backpacks, like people would probably, well, one of two things would happen. People would either give it perfect 10 out of 10s or people would (laughs) pick up their pitchforks and they would riot and they would light, um, you know, Kojima Productions on fire or whatever. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm definitely interested. Uh, you know, seeing gameplay actually makes me happy. I'm not above a CGI trailer, but seeing actual, like, in what seems to be in-game footage definitely turns me on. Um, I do, I have to say, I am somehow convinced that none of these actors actually want to work with Hideo Kojima. I think he has some kind of, like, potion or, like... <sighs> <laughs> some kind of spell that he casts on people because I don't, I don't know how he gets the people he does to be in his game. And the new, the new reveals in this trailer where I hopefully I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Uh, Leia a French actress. She was uh, a bond girl in the last bond movie she's in it. That was kind of a big reveal. And also another big reveal was Lindsay Wagner, who was uh, the bionic woman yes, and the $6 million yes, yes. man. Is that right?
0: Uh, yes, that's correct. Huh?
1: Um, and I had to Google her because that was a little bit before my time, so I didn't know who she was. But the, the big controversy right now is that he de-aged her for the game. Like she looks young in the game, and she's in fact, you know, kind of an older, mature woman right now. So that's kind of like a like a oh, Kojima, you know, like you're gonna put a chick in a bathing suit in your game for the entire game. Oh, you're gonna de-age Lindsay Wagner. Like it's just one of those stupid like things. But that was kind of the big thing about this game is that it's like they introduced two new actresses in both uh i mean i would argue that both of them are pretty high profile actresses um and so like i i just i just want i want to know how the casting process goes for these games like who gets in touch with whom to try to get these people to be in his game because like being in a video game is a lot different than being in a movie because you know that like you have Leia Sedu, who's like a you know, uh, good like French actress. She's very glamorous. I mean, the idea of her being in like a skin tight motion capture suit with all those like little motion capture balls all over her and like her helmet and like with the camera in her face to do like the facial capture that just I mean, I don't know, maybe that's something she'd be really into. Maybe it's something Lindsay Wagner would be into, but it just doesn't seem like something that they would be like, oh, yeah, let me just jump on this right now and do this. So it's just interesting to me like the people he gets to be in his games and i want to know like what negotiations are going on behind the scenes to get these people in the games because i'm convinced that he d- he only does it so that way he can post pictures of himself hanging out with these actors and actresses on twitter so he can like be like a cool guy and like kojima doesn't need street cred like he doesn't need people to think he's cool like he's cool enough already But he, like, feels like he needs to, like, weasel his way into this, like, Hollywood circle where he's got all these, like, cool actors and actresses. And he's, like, eating sushi in Japan at these cool restaurants with these actors. And I'm just, like, like, just give us the fucking game. Like, I'm tired of everything surrounding the game. I just, like, want the game to be out and I want to play it and judge it by its merits. I'm just tired of the the stuff that he puts on that goes around the game the whole presentation all the trailers and everything like i just want the game that's it
0: yeah i mean nothing against kojima but he does kind of give off the vibe of being something of a star fucker so it's like you know you can just (laughs) focus focus on your game and just get us the game Uh, because like you said i mean he he's probably the debatably the most well-known game uh auteur these days i mean maybe Miyamoto edges him out, but it's pretty fucking close these days. I think that more people probably know Kojima. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's famous already. Like people know him. He's got tons of fans. I mean, you know, I just, yeah, I don't know. He doesn't need to keep posting selfies with people uh, on Hollywood Boulevard or whatever. So anyway, hopefully the game will turn out to be something. I mean, if nothing else, it's fucking interesting as hell. I mean, not that that's good, but it's interesting and who knows what he's going to do. So we shall see. Um, moving on, we've got a couple, uh, games that we're both going to chime in on and I'm going to give you a heads up now to kind of start thinking about it after we wrap up the next two games if there's anything left you want to give a quick shout out to or anything you want to just call out real quick we'll go through rapid fire I might have one or two and then we're going to probably wrap it up how does that sound that sounds like a plan okay uh so let's talk about the division two first um we've mentioned it on the show many times but you I and my wife went through basically the entire campaign of the division co-op and I thought that was a great time really enjoyed that very much so uh, too bad the game shit the bed when it came to the post-game DLC stuff, but the main <laughs> campaign, good times. That's like a running uh, theme for this show. Like, oh, remember this game? I loved
1: it, but the DLC was awful. I <laughs> uh, said yes. that like four times
0: today, <laughs> literally four times. Which is a lesson for developers, please. If you do something great, do something else that's great. Don't ruin your game because man, something about adding DLC to a great experience just really just fucks it up. But um, Division Two has been announced. Looks like they are moving the location to Washington, D.C. Although, to be honest, I don't remember where the first game was set. It was just like a city. I mean, it random was in snowy New York, city. dude. Was it?
1: Yeah, because it was in like they had like all the areas in New York, like Manhattan and Times Square. And
0: oh, I guess so. I just it was so generic. Like it's a city. It didn't really stand out to me as New York. But anyway, you're probably right you're probably right. I'm definitely so DC, right, Brad. <laughs> I'm probably right. Because I remember
1: Carlos Rodella talking about playing it, because he used to live in New York, and he was talking about how, like, oh, that's right. he was able to, like, explore, like, the neighborhoods that were, like, by his apartment or something like that.
0: Yes, yes, yes. You are correct. You are correct. So, Washington, D.C. I mean, it looks basically just like The Division again, which is fine, because I enjoyed it the first time before they ruined it. But, um, you know, new abilities... Um, they did one of those really cringeworthy things where they had a bunch of actors pretending to be gamers where they were like (laughs) really scripted dialogue like you flank right and I'll break left oh hey what are you doing after you want to grab some pizza I'm broke man oh wait oh bogey on your six like it just sounded so fake and weird like nobody talks like that when they're playing a game but other than the cringeworthy actor dialogue I mean it you know it looked graphically very you know nice looking and grouping up with your friends is always fun seem to be the same kind of like literally the same thing just more and better i mean uh, some of the new powers look kind of cool you got new robot drones or something and uh, you know i mean i don't know it just looked like the division so i i would be up for more of this as long as it was as good as the original campaign what about you i agree i'm hoping
1: that uh, ubisoft takes this in a very assassin's creed direction where like the first game was all right it was good enough but then the second game like they really learn about like how to make the game a lot better and improve it and like streamline it more. Um, I'm hoping that's what they'll do with this, but I'm definitely uh, looking forward to playing this with you and with your wife, uh, among other people, whenever it comes out.
0: Yeah, I would be down. It's not something that I'm like dying for, but we did have a really solid time. And I thought that was just really mechanically fun to play as a group. I It would have been really boring if it wasn't for you and my wife. Like, I don't think that I would have completed it solo, but like, as a group experience, I thought it was really fun and worthwhile to play. So hopefully they can replicate that without fucking it up too much with loot boxes or having diff- uh, problems balancing difficulty or, or, or having PvP fuck it up. So we'll see. Uh, and then let, that brings us to probably one of the uh, most significant reveals, although it has been revealed before. Cyberpunk 2077, put out by CD Projekt Red. Uh, they also, as most people probably know, put out Witcher 3. And for me, Witcher 3 was a pretty amazing experience. I know that you were not too high on it, but I mean, I think Witcher 3 was basically a masterpiece. Uh, the writing I found to be phenomenal. The world design was phenomenal. Uh, quest design was phenomenal. I mean, everything about it I thought was just just off the chain, just super, super good. I love that game very much. Uh, so I've been psyched for Cyberpunk 2077. I think having that Witcher level quality of stuff to do in a cyberpunk world would be great. And then they showed us a trailer which showed a lot of the world. I don't think we saw any gameplay. I know that there was gameplay being shown. I know that some journos saw gameplay that was like, I mean, almost like an hour from what I was hearing. I don't know if that's up on YouTube anywhere. I didn't see it, but it's possibly on YouTube but some writers were t- writing about it and they just, you know, had nothing but good things to say about it, which is great. But one of the things that gave me pause and then one of the things I didn't know up until this, up until E3 was that it's going to be first person, which I was like, oh man, what? Like, whoa, like Witcher 3, you know, uh, third person, you can see your character, like the way that you interact in the world was very cool. And I just was, I mean, I'm, I'm going to play it still. Like I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. I have trust that these guys know what they're doing. But at the same time, I was really bummed to hear that it was going to be in first person. Cause I just, I just, like I said earlier, I don't like those games in general, personal, personal preference. Uh, I still play them, but it is not my preferred way of playing. And I was just like, Oh dear. Like I just, uh, I was really looking forward to like <laughs> having cool cyber parts and tricking out my character and just going through the world. I just, I don't know. I just, uh, I, like I said, I'm going to play it. I, these guys still have my faith in them, but I was, I was, I got to admit, I was a little bit bummed. So I know that you like Cyberpunk, even though you didn't like Witcher. What are your thoughts on Cyberpunk 2077?
1: I am definitely interested. So, like, the big thing that I keep seeing over and over again uh, coming out of E3 is that all of, like, the top secret game journalists who got to see and or play this game in person, um, I keep seeing this resonating idea of, like, like every time, you know, you a console generation is kind of getting toward the end, and you think, okay, maybe this is all that we've seen from a console. Maybe it's time for like the PlayStation 5 or the Xbox 2 or whatever the fuck they're gonna call it. Um, like, th- then you see a game that makes you ca- kind of reassess everything that you've come to know about the current console generation and realize that there is a lot of power that can still, um, you know, keep keep taking the the console forward. And people are saying that about Cyberpunk. They're saying like, okay, you think you've seen everything you have to see about this current console generation, but wait until you see Cyberpunk and then you're going to realize that, you know, we can still do a lot more with these consoles. Um, So that is definitely something that's interesting to me. I similarly was surprised whenever I heard that it was going to be in first person, but I was more pleasantly surprised because I'm seeing a lot of comparisons on the internet to Deus Ex and Syndicate And, I mean, Deus Ex, like, Human Revolution is one of my favorite games of all time, and I have a feeling that this game uh, maybe will control similarly to it if it's in first person. So I'm definitely okay with it being in first person. I don't really have any qualms with that. I mean, maybe I'll like it more if it's in first person. I'm not really sure, but I guess I won't really have a choice now. Um, But uh, I don't know. I'm definitely interested because... I have no doubt in my mind that The Witcher 3 is like a phenomenal game. Everybody loves it. You know, it has a really deep story, great quests, blah, 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 all that stuff. But I mean, you've heard me say on the show a hundred times, like whenever it comes to like fantasy in that realm and then comes to science fiction, I will pick science fiction every time. I will take, uh, you know, I'll take, um i'll leave elder scrolls behind but i'll take fallout you know i i don't like dragon age but i'll play um you know BioWare's like mass effect all day um so this is kind of like the big thing for me like i'm really excited because it's in a genre that i'm a lot more familiar and a lot more passionate about because i don't really care about fighting dragons with swords and casting magic spells and that stuff i would rather you know have cool guns and have cool cars and you know have it look like blade runner and be in the future so That's definitely something that's getting me on board. Like, I have no doubt in my mind that I'll play Cyberpunk 2077. I probably, hopefully, will enjoy it. Um, The the biggest red flag for me that I'm concerned about right now is that it seems like this is one of those games where everybody that was at E3 who saw the gameplay or played it is talking about that, you know, there's nothing but praise for it. Oh, this looks amazing. It's really going to push the console generation forward. It's going to show you things you've never seen with games before. It's big. You can do all the stuff, blah, 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 which gives me red flags that by the time I get my hands on it, it's going to end up being underwhelming because it's being so overhyped. But I'm going to try to keep that in check and uh, hopefully I will enjoy it. But I'm definitely excited about this.
0: I'm excited too. I mean, I, you know, I I did enjoy Deus Ex Human Revolution. I enjoyed it very much. So it's not like I, it's not like I'm against first person games or it's not like I can't ever enjoy them. I just, I mean, I was a little bit bummed. I got a, a, cards on the table. I was really looking forward <laughs> to seeing my character. I, was, I would have been totally fine if it handled just like The Witcher 3 because I really liked that a lot. But I will give it a shot. Um, I'm definitely on board. I, these guys earned all of my faith with The Witcher 3. Those guys delivered in a big, big way. I know you don't care for fantasy, but boy, that was, that was a hell of a game. Um, so yes, on board and we'll see how that goes out. So that brings us to the end of the big ones that we wanted to specifically call out. We do have some left on the list now of the the games that we haven't mentioned yet. Is there anything that you want to talk about? Any shout outs, quick mention, anything that, uh, anything that is not on the list, anything at all before we wrap up E3? Um, hmm.
1: I'm interested to see what Starlink is, which is uh, Bethesda's new thing. They didn't really show, like, anything about it other than it's, like, a new IP. So I'll be interested to see what that is, but I really don't know anything about it. Um, Spider-Man also looks like it'll be great, but there's not really much to say about it. Um, I feel like that's probably it for me.
0: Pretty fair. Pretty fair. Also excited for Spider-Man. That looks like, you know, I mean, it's not going to be anything that... It's gonna be like huge or genre defining. I think it'll be like a really cool weekend game where like I'll get into it and like you know it'll be cinematic and fun, and then you'll just be done with it, and move on. So that's fine. That's totally fine. Those kind of games have a place in gaming. I'm looking forward to that. It looks good. Uh, I'll just give a couple quick notes here. Crackdown three delayed again. Don't know why that game shouldn't be as hard to make as it is because they've already done two of them and a lot of other people do that same kind of thing. So that was interesting that they delayed it. Uh, I don't give a shit about Gears of War, but Gears Tactics. <laughs> is coming out, and I would be interested to see it as a tactics game, although I, I just really don't like the aesthetic of that game at all. Like It does not appeal to me in any way visually, but I'm always up for a good tactics game, so that's good. Um, Tunic is a game that looks like a 3D isometric, sort of a Zelda-like experience, but you play as a cute little cartoon fox. Looks adorable. I'm really looking forward to checking that out. Seems like a really good time. Uh, shout out to Sable. Did you get a chance to watch the Sable trailer by any chance? Did you I see that? I did not know what it's Oh that? man. You got after the show, go watch the Sable trailer. That was one that people had recommended to me on Twitter and that was a great recommendation. That game looks amazing and I don't know where they showed it. I don't think it was in any of the conferences. Uh, but it's about, it's got a very cool kind of a pastel cell shaded art style and it's a science fiction game where it looks like you're like on a desert planet and then you have, like, a sand speeder vehicle that you, like, go over dunes with, but then you can also slide up and down the dunes, and then there's, like, ruins that you go into. It kind of reminded me of um, blanking on the game that that game company made. Help me out, Corey. It's PS exclusive. It wasn't Flow, and it wasn't Flower. What was their third one? Journey. <laughs> Journey, Journey. 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 It looks like Journey, except for you have a sand speeder, and... You know, clearly it has that indie slant of like discovering ruins and uncovering an old civilization or whatever. It just it looked great. Like the visual style was very strong and stable. Very interested in that one. Uh, I think it was Bethesda that showed a trailer for The Quiet Man, which was probably number two as far as cringeworthy moments out of all the trailers that I watched. It showed this weird CG of a guy walking into an alley and then he points to his ear like he's deaf. And then it goes into like this really janky ass looking like low, low res kind of <laughs> combat where he just like does these weird janky combos and beats up these guys. And like, that's all it was. But I don't know how you would make a game out of somebody being deaf because they're just like anybody else except for like, there's no sound. So like what, his fists don't work differently. Like, I mean, he's not going to do sign language to people and blow them away with sign language magic. So what what is the point? I don't get it. We didn't see a lot about it, but it looked really cringeworthy. Hopefully it's not offensive to people who are deaf Uh, trials rising got announced and there's nothing to say about that except for it looks just like classic trials Uh, and I love trials. I will buy this regardless. I don't care what it is. I'm just, they got my 20 bucks already. I'm down. I'm just going to buy it immediately. Don't care. Uh, De Racine. Did you watch that trailer by any chance? De Racine. Is that the VR from software one? Yes. yes, I did not watch it, but I've read a little bit about it. So people don't know this but FromSoft has been making games for a long time, a long time. They're not, they did not just appear when Souls appeared. That was like the end of a long journey for them. They finally got their payoff. They made it big, good for them because they were like real C-listers in the industry for a really long time. I think I've played every game they've ever put out. And a lot of them are just, they're just not, I mean, honestly, they're just not good. Um, so this looks exactly like something that they would have made 15 years ago before they got popular or maybe 20 years ago, it just looks like this really janky, boring, weird, medieval walk around and talk to people and try to put pieces of a story together. It looked really boring. It looked really dull. Uh, it's a VR game, so I definitely won't be playing it under any circumstances, but just watching it, I'm like, oh man, bringing back the memories from 20 years ago when FromSoft was like that C-list or even a D-lister, and it was like they just were putting out really janky, janky shit. So um, I know that they've got a lot more eyeballs thanks to their success with Souls, but I I, I don't know, but I'm not, I'm not interested. I'm not going to buy a VR headset for this. I'll just say that much. Um, however, I will say, um, circling back, there was a game announced for Switch called Daemon X Machina. Uh, and this actually looks a lot like Armored Core from back in the day, except for better. It looks like better than Armored Core ever looked. So if you want a mech action game, that one didn't get a lot of buzz after the trailer played, but I thought it looked really great. So if you want mech action on the Switch, that one looks like a real winner. Uh, another Mega Man's coming. I kind of don't care. Monster Hunter Generations <laughs> is coming. And I don't know if I'm going to play that one or not. I may need to take a break from Monster Hunter for a while. But I think that was, that was about it. Any, any final E3 things before we wrap? Um,
1: I think I have something that I want to say of just like uh, something I wanted to see that I didn't. Have you considered this at all yet? What? I mean, like, have you, have you, was there anything that you wanted to see that you, Oh, that was oh, oh sorry, sorry. Like, have you um, thought about this?
0: I have not thought about it. And to be perfectly honest, I'm fucking drowning in games right now. So <laughs> I'm not really looking forward to anything. I just, I have more than I can even deal with at the moment. So I'm, I literally have no desire for anything else right now. What I, what I desire most is more free time. And
1: I desire <laughs> people to make their games
0: shorter because I don't need to spend 40 hours on a game because... I could play 4 10 hour games instead of 1 40 hour game. That's my only desire. Shorter games is what I desire. I don't know if that's going to come true. What about you? What did you desire but didn't see? I think my big thing that I wanted to see that I did not
1: see was a new Splinter Cell. Like fucking oh, yeah. come on Ubisoft. Like they they teased Splinter Cell by putting Sam Fisher into Ghost Recon Wildlands. They gave him like a mission or something, some DLC or something. And I was like, oh, maybe this is like a sign of things to come. And I I stand by my belief that they're going to do a new Splinter Cell soon. But that would have been an incredible reveal at E3 if they had been like, all right, here's a new Splinter Cell game, because there have been so many people that have been wanting it. And the last Splinter Cell, Splinter Cell Blacklist, was so good. And it did not get like the hype that it deserved. And I really hope that they make another one and that they make it soon.
0: I would be, I would be up for that. I am, it doesn't seem like it would be my thing, but I actually have played, I think I've played all of the Splinter Cell games. I think I may have not played Blacklist, but I think that's the only one that I haven't played. But I do like that franchise. I don't care for the story, but the gameplay is really what gets me. And I I do enjoy those. I would be up for an updated, new, modernized, polished up Sam Fisher experience. I would be totally okay with that. Speaking of which, am I, am I crazy or did they announce Hitman 2? That was that a thing was, that happened, wasn't
1: it? That was like right before e three. that was a separate thing.
0: Okay, so they announced him meant to, okay, right, right, right. And it's not episodic anymore. And of course, agent forty seven comes back. I mean, did they say any details about it other than it's not episodic?
1: Um From what I can gather, it is it's basically, yeah, it's not episodic. That's the big thing is that it's launching with like, I don't remember how many missions they said, like, like six missions or something, but I think they said they're gonna add a couple more to it after the fact. Um there's like four editions of it available, which is fucking weird. Like you have the regular one that's like sixty dollars, there's like a silver edition that I think is like seventy or eighty, there's a gold edition, which is I think a hundred. And then there's a big physical collector's edition that has like a suitcase and a bunch of like Ridiculous bullshit that's GameStop exclusive that I think is 150. That full disclosure, I am seriously considering buying because I'm a huge Hitman fan, but I realize how stupid that is. Um, so I don't know exactly. Like, I looked at the PS4 um, a sto- store for it because it went like the pre orders went live on the store and it doesn't say like what is the difference between the silver and the gold and the regular editions. So it would be nice if they would detail that because I don't know exactly what you're spending all that money on yet. I'm sure it's like you get future levels for free or get extra weapons or get other stuff. But as far as I know, they haven't fully detailed it. But um, yeah, it's just new Hitman, new locations, probably going to be very similar to the last one, except for it's not episodic, which makes me a little bit sad because I think Hitman did episodic gameplay really spectacularly. Um, But I guess we'll have to see. But I'm very, very excited. Hitman was my number two game of the year like two years ago when it came out. So I'm very, very pumped about Hitman 2.
0: I'm excited also, even though I still have to play the most recent Hitman. I've played all the other ones, but I did not have... I just never managed to work it into my time schedule. So I do want to get back to it. Um, I definitely, definitely 100% for sure a Hitman fan, though. So excited about that. Do you know if the higher-end collector's editions actually include the game? Because I don't know if you noticed this or not, but, like, the new fucking hot trend, and I say quote, say that in quotes, quote-unquote hot trend in in limited editions is they sell you a limited edition with no fucking game in it. That's There's been multiple editions lately where they sell you a whole package full of tchotchkes, but there's fucking no game in it. Like, does Hitman actually come with the game? Uh, as far as I know, it does. You better fucking check, dude, because that's the new, the new hotness, is they get you on the fucking collector's edition, and then you got to fucking buy the game on top of it. Like, uh, State of Decay 2, their limited edition, did not even come with the game. Uh, The deluxe package for Red Dead Redemption 2 does not come with the game. There's been a couple other uh, titles recently, big ones, where they don't come with the game. What the fuck? Why do I want to spend 150 bucks on some shitty, you know, eight-page art book and a couple of plastic doodads that you can get, you know, for a dollar out of a vending machine or something? And, And there's no fucking game with it. It makes you crazy. So before you put your money down, make sure you're getting the game with it, too. Otherwise, why bother? I will keep that in mind heads up on that anyway so that i think will bring us to the end of this annual e3 show uh kind of a journey i feel like i've grown as a person Corey, how are you doing
1: (laughs) i need a glass of water
0: Yeah, I am thirsty as well. (laughs) Um, So I'm glad we got to do this. And I think, hopefully, fingers crossed, this uh, is going to mark us being back on track with the regular recording of Video Games. Apologies again to all of the listeners who have reached out and said that that they miss us and they want us to get back on track. It's really nice to get those messages. And we've heard you and we are doing the best we can. I think we are going to be back on schedule now. So thank you for bearing with us and thank you for being patient. Glad you are still here. Um, So yes, yes. Look forward to regular recordings soon. Also, um, as usual, remember to stick around after the ending music to hear tonight's banter. Otherwise, feel free to bail and we will catch you next week. In the meantime, please remember that you can send us your comments, thoughts, feedback, ideas, anything else you'd like to. SoVideoGamesPodcast at gmail.com. You can also post comments for us at GameCritics.com after the show gets posted there and I will do my best to remember. I forgot last week. Sorry about that. My bad. And we are also on Twitter as a show at So Video Games. Also, you can reach us individually. Corey, what is your handle? And if I'm not mistaken, your Twitter handle and Instagram handle are the same, are they not? They are both the same. And conveniently, they're both my first and last name uh, Corey Motley, C O R E Y M O T L E Y and my twitter handle and my recently activated instagram account are also the same b-r-a-d-g-a-l-l-a-w-a-y all a's no o's so catch me on twitter catch me on instagram if you like and i think that's going to do it for the show so um i guess that's it let's wrap it up and say this is bye from brad and bye from Corey. we will see you guys next week Business. all right cool so how are you doing sir <clears throat> <laughs> I'm uh pretty good
1: I guess I uh have only been home from my trip for like a couple of days and I feel like I've been going non-stop since I got back so I'm kind of like haven't really had time to sit down and just kind of like chill out for a while yet
0: yeah I uh, feel the same I was actually just telling Gina today that I was like feeling really overwhelmed i got like a ton of stuff to do like paperwork and i've got some editing stuff to do and i've got just all sorts of stuff to keep up with at the house and uh, i've been so busy and today i actually have most of the day off i'm not i'm not off today but i don't have to work until the evening time so i had most of the day off and i just i got that feeling of where there's so much going on like i don't even i don't even know where to begin because there's so much <laughs> that i just can't even start so i end up doing like none of it you know you just sit there you're, like paralyzed <laughs> That is exactly, that is exactly where I'm at right now, but, uh, so, uh, you want to fill me in first on what you've been up to, or you want me to fill you in first?
1: Uh, I don't know, it doesn't matter.
0: All right, I'll tell you mine first, I don't have that much to to tell, uh, been working, still ton of work, uh, although actually, the show is almost over, we are now in the final week, Of the run and the show will be over, and they haven't announced if they're going to take it on tour or anything. I don't think that they probably will. I mean, if they do, that'll be a different situation. But personally, I don't feel like the show is quite ready to go on tour, and it's definitely not ready for Broadway yet. But, um, (laughs) oh no, we'll see. I mean, they're talking about it. I mean, it's, it's, I don't say that as a joke. I mean, like, they literally are talking about taking it to Broadway, but I don't think it's quite ready yet. Um, although I, you know, I suppose that's up to the director and stuff, but. Uh, but yeah, so one more week, and then back to, you know, quote-unquote regular life, I guess. Um, but yeah, I've just been really, really super busy. I will say, though, I uh, we went to a party with the cast yesterday. That's basically the only thing I've done. Like, I've done work, 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 and yesterday was a party we went to. It was a barbecue at one of the um, actors' houses. And acting is kind of a weird thing, because this is probably the fourth or fifth production I've worked on. And it's strange, because, like, you go... Have you ever done acting? You ever done like I worked on a play or anything like that at all? Any, any the- theatrical leanings for you, Corey?
1: Um, I <clears throat> had a very, very small part in one musical one year. And uh, I mean, I guess like I did like show choir and stuff in high school. So maybe that would qualify as like performing regularly and stuff like that. I don't know if that's quite in the same realm. I didn't know you did that.
0: You sing pretty well. You got a good voice. Uh, I mean,
1: I don't want to brag, but my senior year of high school, um, I went to, I guess, I don't know how, I don't know if it's the same for every state, but we have in Missouri, we had, uh, what's called district solos and ensembles, and you would go to the district competition and you either get a score of one through five on if you sing or do a musical thing, or you can do an ensemble, um, and if you get a one at Districts, you get to go to State. And my senior year, I got a one at Districts and went to State for a vocal solo. So I'm not bad, I guess.
0: I had no idea. We will have to have you <laughs> sing something for us here on the show. Oh, no, never. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that's cool. I did not know that. I did not know that at all. But um, so let me run this by you. Maybe this will be familiar. Maybe it won't be. But so this is like the fourth or fifth, like, um you know, play that I've worked on. And the thing that's strange about it is like you you start this gig and you know, it's only going to be for like a limited time. So like you begin, you do rehearsals and you're spending like a lot of time with these people that you come together with. So like, you know, rehearsals are always like, you know, minimum eight hours a day, probably longer than that, depending on like what the schedule is. And when you get into um, technical rehearsals, which is where they get people up on stage and then they look at the costumes and look at the lights and look at the sound and get all those things ready. That can be even like 12 and 14 hours sometimes. And so you, you you get together this group of people that you don't know. Then you spend, like, a month or two months with them, like, for 10, 8, 10, 12 hours a day. <laughs> Super intense. You just spend, like, your entire time with them. And then, you you know, you get to know people really well because you're spending all this time. You start to feel like you're kind of a family. If, if You know, if people get along. If not, that can be really torturous. But if they get along, <laughs> you just, you're just constantly doing this thing where, like, you're, you don't have time for anything else. You're just doing this thing every single day. Really intense. Working on it. And then you get to the end of the run. And then, like, this, like temporary family that you've been with is just like, okay, we're done, bye, and then you just go your separate ways, and, like, it's such a strange feeling to, like, have nothing, have this super intense relationship, and then it's, like, over. Uh, I, I don't know of anything else that's quite like it. I mean, I'm sure there must be parallels in other fields or maybe other, you know, other jobs or maybe there's something similar to that, but it's really, really weird to go through that, and, like, there's always, like, this kind of, like, sense of, like, loss or, like, this really kind of weird, like, oh, I feel like my Ship is unmoored all of a sudden now that this thing that I've been doing so hardcore is gone. All of a sudden, it's 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 really strange, but um, we really like the cast that we're working with, everybody's really cool. And yesterday was a barbecue at uh somebody's house, and I don't usually go to barbecues, I'm not really social in that way, I don't really enjoy doing that, it's really awkward and stuff. But I I get along with everybody really good, and, and Gina and Winnie get along with them really well too. Um, so I'm like, oh, we'll, we'll go for it, and it was just like a really lovely day, like, um. We went to this uh, person's house, and they had like you know some cool music, and they had a bunch of food, and everybody came over, and everybody was like in a good mood, and it was sunny. And the thing that you know really struck me was like we're such a diverse mix. I mean, I mentioned this on the show earlier, but like at least half of the cast and crew are gay. Like just at least half, probably more than half. And then we have black people, we have white people, we have Asian people, we have people of you know indiscriminate background or whatever. And it's just like we're all just sitting there mixing and chilling out and, you know, playing games in the yard and just talking and laughing. And it's just like so super positive. Like everybody is just accepting of everybody. Everybody's really cool and having fun. And it's just positive all the way around. It was just really, really a wonderful experience. Probably one of the best barbecues I've probably been to ever in my life. I mean, I really had a really great time. And I think everybody else had a great time too, which is really great and also double great because, you know, with all the political stuff going on, it's kind of a horror show outside, uh, if you look at the United States in general. So it was nice to have a little bubble of, hey, there are good people. We can still be decent human beings. This is something that's really positive. People are, are nice and loving and caring and respectful. Um, you know, if you get the right group of people, which is great. I will say though, um, it ended on kind of a down note though because uh they set up a slip and slide, a giant slip and slide in their front yard <laughs> for all the drinking grown-ups to go on. And it was really oh, no. it was cool. They got the the sprinkler and the the tarp was laid down and it was slippery and they got some some kind of oil or lotion or something to make it like extra slippery on top of that, which I thought was like pretty impressive. And so everybody was going on it. And it was a really good time, really really fun. And then all of a sudden Winnie's like Oh, I got hurt. And I look, and he's bleeding like crazy out of his foot. And I'm like, the fuck? What happened? And they apparently had had these little, I don't know, like little brackets or tent stakes or something that were keeping the slip and slide plastic in the grass, you know? Uh And apparently when they were, when they were, one of them must have fallen out of the bag because they were all still in the tarp that was on the ground But we looked around, and, like, I found one that was just, like, in the grass. So I I suspect they, like, just dropped one, like, accidentally. So he stepped on it, and part of it scratched the hell out of the side of his foot, and the other Mm. part sunk into his heel by, like, Mm. half an inch.
1: Oh, gross.
0: It was bleeding a lot. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay. So we got him patched up, put some pressure on it, stopped the bleeding. He didn't want to leave. He wanted to keep going. So we're like, okay, this is fine. We just (laughs) For a little while, we'll keep going. Um, but we had to end the picnic by taking him to the urgent care and getting him a tetanus shot because he needed to get that taken care of. So oh. a bummer, a bummer end to an otherwise wonderful day. But he said he still had a good time. I think everybody still had a good time. Unfortunate that we had to cap it off with the tetanus shot. But otherwise, lovely. And uh, that, is, that is literally the only thing I have for Bander because otherwise I've been working the entire fucking time. That's all I got. So... What about you, man? You went on a business trip or something? You went on some kind of strange excursion somewhere? What do you What have you been up to?
1: <laughs> um, I did. Mm-hmm. I uh, I went on my first business trip I've ever been on in my entire life, and unfortunately, it was not anywhere cool. I went to Columbus, Ohio, which I had never been to before, and. Um, I went. So, what I do at work is I do, I work for a university and I do, I, may, I maybe I've talked about this on the show before, but I'll sum it up very briefly again. I basically work in the, in a suite in our, um, in one of our like, uh, bus- busier buildings on campus. And I work in the Division of Student Affairs and I work with case managers for case management and victim support services. And I also work with the Office of Student Conduct. And I use a software called Maxient, M-A-X-I-E-N-T. Basically, like, almost all the work I do is is in this computer software called Maxient. I guess, I don't know if it's called a, a software. It's just, like, a website you go to and uh, log into. And it's, like, probably, like, the leading, like, um, it started out as a conduct management uh, software for universities, And I think, I mean, it's used by like hundreds and hundreds of uh, colleges and universities across uh, the United States. And I think there's even a few now overseas that are using it. But it started as conduct and it kind of morphed into um, a thing that a lot of other uh, components of a college campus can use also. And the people who run the Maxient software, who code it and who build it and do software support and do all of it, there's only about maybe like 15 to 20 people who manage the whole system. And the co-owners are a husband and wife, and um, they have a conference every year, and I guess it rotates around the United States, like it was in Columbus this year. I've heard it's in Vegas sometimes. Um, it was in like Charleston or something a few years ago. And uh, and it's basically just like the one time a year for like every college if they want to and if they pay for it, because of course it costs a lot of money to go, Um, they can send Whoever they want on the in their university to this conference, and they just have a bunch of like panels that they do, and a bunch of presentations, and a lot of the presentations are done by people who work for Maxient, and some of the presentations are done by um, by people at universities. Like I went to one that was a guy, the director of conduct from the University of Kansas. Like he presented uh, for a thing, and you basically can just choose whatever presentation you want to go to, and there's like. I think the first night you get there, it's just like the opening ceremony where they do kind of like a little keynote and they have a little reception after. And then the only full day, because it's a three-day thing, the only full day is the second day where you go to like four seminars in the morning and then they have a lunch break. And then I think you do three seminars after lunch and then they have like a social activity you go to after that. Well, you don't have to go, but it's there if you want to. And then the last day they have, I think it's like three seminars in the morning. And then they have a development conference lunch where you're basically all in a ballroom eating. And they just kind of have like a panel discussion where they talk about stuff they want to implement in the future into Maxient. And we kind of like vote as an audience on like what sounds good and what doesn't. And we can just kind of like toss around some ideas. And they said this year was the biggest year they've had. And I think there were about... 350 people or so there if i recall correctly um so it was cool and i learned a lot um i didn't get a hotel room in the hotel that it was happening in because one of my bosses at work kind of isn't very like quick to book that kind of stuff so and i wasn't sure what the layout of columbus was at all so she found a hotel that was just like a few blocks down the street which it was only like a 10 minute walk back and forth so i didn't care at all but the shitty thing and i didn't realize this until i got there is that like i my hotel was like a 10 minute walk away from like the cool stuff. So like if you walked to the hotel that the conference was happening in, it was kind of like right on the edge of like cool downtown areas and like everything was on the other side of it, but I was down the street on the other end like farther away from the cool downtown stuff and I didn't have a car. I didn't rent a car or anything. So like there came this weird point every night where like I would get finished with the conference and then I would go back to my hotel room and it would be like, I don't know, like eight o'clock or something. And I'd be like, okay, like I'm not hungry yet, but I don't want to go to bed yet. And I know I'm going to be hungry in an hour. And all the red, there's only like two restaurants around me and they both close at like nine or 10 or something. So it was that weird, like, I wasn't quite sure what to do about food situation. Um, and like the hotel I was staying in, like they had a little restaurant downtown or down in the, and like the basement and it didn't, but it closed. So Like, I couldn't just, like, order fancy room service or anything. So that was kind of a weird, like, logistical first business trip thing that I kind of had um, to work out for myself. Uh, But overall, I mean, I had a pretty good time. And uh, I feel like I learned a lot at the conference. I also felt kind of overwhelmed because I have only been using the software for about six months. And so some of the sessions I attended, I felt like, I knew a little bit more than I thought I did going to them, and I didn't really learn as much as I thought the panel was going to teach me. And then some of the panels I went to, I felt like a little out of my depth. Like, they were kind of explaining some stuff that I don't really do at work. So I was like, okay, I'm not really sure how, how applicable, applicable this will be. But um, I persevered nonetheless and also took a bunch of pictures at the zoo because they took us to the Columbus Zoo, which apparently is like – A really good zoo, but I only got to explore like probably about a quarter of it uh, in the time we had. But I took a lot of pictures, and then I flew to Arizona after that uh, because Patrick had booked a vacation to go to see his sister lives in Arizona in Phoenix. So he didn't really plan it for my business trip, but it just kind of happened that they worked out that way. And I was like, okay, well, instead of flying back to New Orleans, I'll just fly to Phoenix, and then I got to meet them out there. So I was in Phoenix Thursday night, Friday, Saturday. And then I flew back to New Orleans on Sunday night. And of course, my last motherfucking flight back to New Orleans got delayed. So I didn't get back until like midnight. And then I had to turn around and be at work at 830 on Monday morning. So that was not cool. But I made it and I'm still alive and I'm here for the podcast. And
0: uh, here we are. I got to ask, I, I don't travel for business in the same way that you are describing. Although once in a while I do, like once in a great while I have to. Um, usually it's for something related to like um, continuing education uh, for my job, which I mean, don't get me started on it, but like they, they require us <laughs> to have this like, you know, got to keep your skills up, got to keep learning, got to be, you know, advancing in, in the profession, blah, 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 which I... I mean, I agree with in theory, but I feel like how they enforce this and how they make it happen and what they offer for this is just kind of a joke. Um, but total, total side sorry. I don't mean to get off on that tangent, but every <laughs> once in a while I will have to go to like a conference where I need to get these continuing education credits in order to keep my certification so I can keep my fucking job. And whenever I do something like this, you know, you go to a conference, you sit in the whatever the, the lecture that's being given or whatever it is. And I just, I generally just don't give a fuck about any of it. It's so boring and it usually doesn't apply to me. And I just am only there because I, some fucking mucky muck who is in charge of my licensure says I need to do it. Uh, I mean, I just, I have a really hard time focusing on those. And the worst ones are like when you go to it and like, they're like no electronics or like, you know, like one time I brought a 3DS with me and I got busted because I was in the back row playing 3DS because I didn't give a shit and... You know, they're like, oh, we saw you back there. and You're not going to get your certification if you don't start paying attention. And I was like, number one, I'm a fucking grown up. Number two, I paid for this. Number three, fuck off. Um, But I have a really (laughs) hard time doing shit like this. When you were going, were you just like spacing out the entire time? Or did you actually give a shit about what they were talking about?
1: Um, Well, the good news is they for every like the panels were only about an hour long. So they weren't like I wasn't sitting in one for like six hours at a time. And for every hour slot, they had like maybe, like, four or five different panels to pick from, and they sent you the itinerary, like, a few weeks in advance. So, like, you could kind of tailor what you wanted to see per... Because, like, uh, I mean, different people in different universities use these and use the system in a lot of different ways. So, like, I was probably for sure the least qualified person there, like, in terms of education, in terms of my role in a university setting. And I was totally okay with that. Like, I don't have any... Like, I I didn't need to feel, like, pretentious or, like, educated or whatever. Um, But it was just weird because, like, there's people like me there... And then there were, like, you know, uh, vice presidents of student affairs for, you for like, big universities, like, in California and stuff there. So, like, they offer a lot of options for you to kind of go to what seminars you want to go to that will be more useful to your skills or if you have any certain questions to go to ones that are, like, applicable to you. So that was kind of work to my advantage where I could pick out ones that I thought – would be good for me. So I wasn't just kind of stuck in some seminar that had like absolutely nothing to do with me that had nothing to do with my skills or nothing to do with the kind of university work um, that I was doing. But it was also a double-edged sword because there were definitely like two or three panels that I picked where I went to them. And then whenever we left, I was like, yeah, I didn't really learn anything there. Like Maxiant has an analytics tab where you can run like thousands and thousands of different kinds of reports to basically pull data from university database in like a bajillion different ways. And one of the panels I went to, it was basically just this woman who worked for Maxient and she was like, she just kind of like walked us through like 10 or 15 of the reports that we could run. And I was like, okay, this didn't really help me. Like she didn't really do a good job of like explaining... I don't know like why we should use them. It was just like, oh, here's a report you could run and this is what it does. And here's another report you can run and this is what it does. And I was, it's just one of those things where like, I could have found all that info if I had just like fucked around in the system like myself and kind of gotten down to it. But I mean, I still, I, I was able to pay attention most of the time. And most of the panels I went to were, you know, more or less stuff that I was interested in. Or it was interesting to see the way other universities use the system to um for like different case management purposes or how they keep their cases open or when they decide to close them or what tags they use or what case types they use there's just like so much like going on in the system that it was interesting to see um kind of get different insights on how other universities use it and but the thing i'm terrible at at conferences like this is just doing like mingling with people because like i don't really like people and i'm not like i I'm perfectly capable of mingling like I can do it and I can be charming and I can be you know whatever if I need to be but it's not like my default setting so like I feel like this people use this conference as a big networking opportunity to just like talk to other people like not during seminars and just like figure out what's going on and kind of take like the temperature of you know maybe like the university space over the United States but I didn't really use it like that I just kind of kept to myself for the most part and didn't really, um, I don't know, mingle a whole lot. Like I talked to a handful of people and like one woman I talked to had previously worked with like one of the vice presidents of student affairs in my university and she was like so excited that I was working with him and that she had worked with him before and she like gave me her card and was like oh he would be a great mentor like tell him that you saw me and blah 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 and I was like oh my god this is like too much for me but but she was nice and it was a pleasant you know interaction but it's just uh I don't know it was just kind of strange
0: but but it was good overall. Well, that's good. I'm glad you got some value out of it, because I avoid these things like the plague, and every time that I go to one of these things, which sounds actually very similar to what I do just with a different topic, um, I hate going to them. I hate mingling with people, because I just, I can't stand it, and it just doesn't really, I just don't have anything to say to people, and I don't really, you know, I talk to people who I want to talk to, and so I don't want to talk to strangers about whatever, and... I mean, with your thing, at least you have like a computer program where it makes sense to kind of keep learning about it because maybe they change things or maybe there's new features. So there's actually something it seems like possibly to learn. And my job, it's like once you get good at doing it, you're, just, you're either good at it or you're not. And there's not really anything that you can really do. Maybe some people disagree, but I feel like once you're good at it, you're good. And if you're not good, you're not good. And that doesn't really change over time. And so me going t- I mean like I've been doing this fucking job for 22 years like what are you going to teach me that I don't already know after 22 <laughs> years of fucking doing this you know so at least you got some value out of it that sounds like it wasn't completely worthless did you eat any delicious food when you were out there by any chance just real quickly before we move on
1: oh yeah I forget that we always talk about food okay so there were two restaurants that were close to my hotel and one of them was like like a beer and kind of well it wasn't like a beer place but it was like I don't know it's kind of like a bar like a restaurant bar but it was kind of nice I guess it was like a draft house I guess is what you could call it and when I got to my hotel it was too early for me to check in so I was like oh well hold the fuck up there's a draft house right behind the hotel so I went and got beer and got lunch and I had a a honey habanero chicken sandwich and it was pretty yummy uh, with fries on the side and then the second night I was there There was an Indian restaurant down the street from my hotel called... I think it was called Haveli Bistro. And, like, the inside, the interior looked amazing because the bar had this really cool, like, kind of, like, yellowish gold, like, light paneling behind it. And it was just, like, really... I don't know, just like modern and really like chic looking. And so I went in and I was just planning on getting uh, some food to go because like most Indian restaurants, you can just like go in and order takeout kind of like Chinese places. And I always get uh, Vindaloo chicken at Indian places. And so I went and I ordered that. And she was like, OK, it'll be about like 10, 10 or 15 minutes and we'll have it up. And I was like, OK. And then I was like, well, why not like stop at the bar and grab a drink like while I'm here? I'll, you know, it's like a two minute walk down to the back to the uh, hotel so I looked at the menu and they had, so pre- preface this by saying that an old fashioned is one of my favorite cocktails and an old fashioned is a pretty simple cocktail. It just has generally, it just has a whiskey and a simple, either crushed sugar or simple syrup um, and a couple different kinds of bitters, like usually orange bitters and aromatic bitters. And then like a slice of orange in it or something like that, or like a, like a orange peel, I guess, if you will. And. They had a smoked old-fashioned on the menu and uh, an old-fashioned is kind of like one of those things where you know everybody makes it a little bit differently. So I was super interested. and the little tiny bartender who made it for me, he like made the old fashioned like you normally would in a cocktail glass and then he put it on this like wood platform thing that was maybe about six inches across. It was a circle. And there was like this, these like kind of like wood chips sort of like on the side of the, the tray. And he like took a torch and lit the, like the wood chips or whatever they were so that they would uh, catch on fire for a second and start smoking. And then he blew it out and he put like kind of like a fishbowl looking dish over the top of the platform. So that way the smoke was all contained in the, the fishbowl and it was like, Uh, I guess like making the drink like smoky and aromatic and then he like served it to me on the platform and he was like okay like whenever you're ready you could just take the lid off and so it was really neat because it was like this like glass globe of like smoky cocktail in front of me and then I just got to like pull the little lid off, and let the smoke come out. And it definitely, like, you know, infused the drink with smokiness. And the way I'm describing this probably doesn't make it sound, uh, you know, horribly tasty. Like, oh, it's whiskey with smoke in it. But uh, it was actually really delicious. And, I mean, part of the cool thing about uh, ordering, like, craft cocktails is sort of, like, seeing them be made in front of you. And so it was definitely, like, an eccentric cocktail and that was delicious. So if anybody is listening and you live in Columbus or you're going there, check out Haveli Bistro and order the smoked old fashioned.
0: No, that sounds really cool. I, I don't drink. And so I probably would never order that. But just hearing your description of it is pretty cool. I mean, presentation counts for a lot when you talk about like, you know, food service or drinks and stuff like that. I mean, visual like and you're saying like the process of doing it or, you know, like, it's kind of similar to like when you go to like a sushi bar or something and you order it fresh i mean you can watch them making it and so that's kind of the you know part of the appeal as well or whenever somebody serves you something that comes under like a little you know one of those little metal lids or something that's on fire or whatever i mean that would yeah. you <laughs> actually actually now that you mention it uh uh one thing that i saw somebody drinking um was like a bowl a ceramic bowl that had a little volcano shaped protuberance <laughs> in the middle of it have you seen this you know what i'm talking about I don't. But you're laughing, so you know where this is going, right? I mean, it it sounds ridiculous. (laughs) So what happens is these—they poured like nine different kinds of booze into this thing, and there was like Everclear. So like the bowl surrounding was filled with like nine different kinds of booze, and then the little volcano thing was filled with like Everclear or something. And so they like they like lit the little volcano on fire, and it immediately (laughs) caught fire and burned. And then they poured a little bit more. And it just like poured over the lip of the volcano into the bowl below and the whole thing caught fire and it looked like lava was running down the side of this thing and then you were supposed to take a long straw so that your head was not near the fire and then you would like (laughs) drink the the burning alcohol that was at the bottom of the bowl and everybody thought it was really cool. I mean, it was very visually impressive. I was like, wow, this is ridiculous. There's drinking burning booze out of a fucking volcano. But uh, (laughs) so I don't know if it was any good, but like, you know, like you said, presentation counts for a lot. So smoky, that smoky dome thing sounds pretty cool. Flaming alcohol volcano, also a thing. I'm sure there are many other, uh, many other uh, things that are similar to that. In fact, one last thing before we move on. Similar. I was I think it's Nels Anderson who works at, um, he did Shadow of the Ninja and he was, oh fuck, where does he work now? I don't know where he works whatever. He just did a game that was really, really good. He, I think he, oh fuck, I'm so off my game. Nels Anderson, (laughs) whoever you are, I know who you are. No one else knows who you are because I'm failing to explain who you are, but Nels is a great guy. Works in video, he makes great video games. I forget the other thing he made because I'm really tired. Sorry, apologies. But anyway, I think I'm pretty sure it was Nels that went to like um, a bar in Alaska where they served a cocktail that came with a literal mummified human toe in it. Oh, gross! they served you this drink and it was like literally a mummified human toe. And then they gave it to you and they sloshed it around so that the the toe was in there for a while. And then they took it back because they only had one because clearly, you know, people are not like lopping off toes to make this drink. So but that was like part of the presentation there as well. And that was what that bar was known for was like the dead man's toe or something or whatever they called that drink. But uh, probably gross. I don't know. But again, just goes to show presentation really counts for a lot uh, when it comes to food alcohol, whatever. You know, it's, it's half. It's half the thing. So I'm sorry. I am not making any fucking sense today. Presentation is half the thing. What does that even mean? It doesn't mean anything. God, I'm so pathetic. Sorry. I wish I could make my points effectively. Not going to happen today. So please bear with me, folks. Anyway, um, I don't have anything else for banter. Do you have anything else for banter?
1: Um, I mean, I could talk about going to Phoenix, but it would probably take me a little while. I can sum it up quickly by saying that I got to meet some parkour people out there that I've been friends with on the internet for a long time and get to meet in real life and photograph them. And that was really, really fun. I wish I could have spent more time with them, but unfortunately um, I could not. So, uh, but I will be working on photos. I took like 1600 pictures while I was in Columbus and in Phoenix and I imported a bunch into Lightroom last night, and I will be editing them over the next
0: 400 years. So, um, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. I got to say just a quick shout out to you as well. Um, To anybody who's not following Corey on Instagram, I started following him. (laughs) Man, you've got some pretty dope-ass pictures. You've had a couple really, really good ones lately. Um, You know, not to toot your own horn here, and I know we don't want to be like all, you know, giving ourselves big ups on the show because it sounds like really like we're just too high on ourselves. But I do want to give you props because some of those pictures, I've actually been showing people like when I'm like uh, just standing around and I look at your pictures, I'll like grab somebody and not a stranger, but like, you know, if there's somebody I know nearby (laughs) and I'll be like, dude, look at this picture my friend took. This is the best picture. It's so cool. So if you're not following Corey on Instagram, follow Corey on Instagram. If you want to see hunky dudes doing cool acrobatics and sweet, sweet, photo editing being done to those so all right let's move on oh i i did look up now nels anderson he works he worked on uh, firewatch he did mark of the ninja and he's at campo santo who just got bought by steam so that's where nels is from nels is a great guy love nels great uh, creator and apparently he likes drinks with uh dead people in them if i'm not remembering mis- <laughs> incorrectly so i could be but i think that was nels that told me that anyway all right we should probably we got a shitload of stuff to talk about we should probably start talking about some games Let's talk
1: about some games. Let's talk about some games.